My dad is my hero. There are some people in this world that don't grow up with a father. And I think that is a massive reason for why there is men in this world the way there is. When you're growing up, your dad is supposed to be your hero. He's supposed to teach you how to be a man, teach you how to fight, teach you how to, how to defend yourself, teach you how to sell, teach you skills, how to change your oil in your car, all these things that are necessary for a man to teach you in your life. And I'm very fortunate to still be here on this earth at 24 years old and my father still be alive, still be active. He plays football with me, plays basketball with me, and he actually works on my sales team, which you'll find out in a little bit. And I had the luxury of being able to really impact my father's life. Uh, he works with me now and he makes more money than he's ever had. He's happier than he's ever been in his life. And I just want to say to my father, this message, if you watch this, uh, which I'd hope you watch it because it's your own podcast and this happens to come out on Father's Day. So happy Father's Day. I love you. I thank you for everything you've done for me. And nobody's a perfect man. You've made your mistakes as I've made mine. But at the end of the day, having a father who actually cares about you, who loves you, who wants you to do good in this world and is a good role model for hard work, what it means to just even though if you don't like your job, or you don't like your life situation, you just go through it. You don't bitch about things. You don't complain. You get up, you get things done because you're a man and you're supposed to. I thank you because you taught me what it's supposed to be like to be a man. In today's world, there is a lot of lack of leaders and real men that go to work every day, no matter if they do or don't want to, that go to the gym every day, no matter if they do or don't want to. We've become very soft because we lack real fathers. And every single year, we get weaker and weaker and weaker as, as, a, as a male um, hierarchy, male dominance. I'm not really sure the quite word there, but we get weaker as a society of, of men and the man is being attacked for being masculine. So I just want to say that I'm thankful for the way you raised me. I'm thankful for everything you've done. And I very, very much and sincerely happy that I was able to grow up my whole life with my father. And for those of you who don't have to, and if you've watched this podcast before, Two dudes, three legs. My partner doesn't even know I'm shooting this. He lost his father when he was young. And his father uh, passed away from a sickness. And he had to watch his father suffer. I couldn't imagine going through that. And for Tony, you're a strong fucking motherfucker. And it is amazing what you've done. I'm happy to be a podcast host with you. He just became a father as well a few months back. So, Tony, happy Father's Day. Your first one ever. Um, but to wrap this up. I hope you enjoy this podcast. It's the first time I ever got to sit down with my dad on a podcast and talk to him. And I would strongly urge everyone, if you have people you love in your life, to sit down and make content with them because one day they won't be here. And I'll remember this forever. I'll get to watch it in 30, 40, 50 years and know what it was like to sit down and talk to my dad. So I hope you enjoy this podcast as much as I enjoyed making it for you. Oh, you fucking want to be famous. <laughs> Guys are looking sharp. Zach Dingy, Tony Cavallari. Two Loops, Three Legs Podcast, where we share business tips, interview experts, and travel the world. This week on Two Dudes, Three Legs. Welcome back to the Two Dudes, Three Legs Podcast. Up, Your baby? host, Zach Dingy. And Tony Cavallari. Today, Junior, we are sitting with, I'm the Junior, we have a senior on the podcast, goes by the name of Glenn Dingy, and he is me padre. A.K.A. Stone. That's right. Why do they call, call you Stone? Um, 
So I was a stoner, <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> you were? When I was young, yeah. But that's a great story, actually. So Larry Helwig, the Helwigs <laughs> used to live right across the street from us. Larry, he laughing Larry. He's like on WPDH. He's a pretty well-known guy. Larry Helwig. Yep. What a so, fucking name. Yep. And he used to, he used to dress like Kiss and like to the T. Like he looked the like boots, everything. The silver makeup, makeup. The whole nine yards. Anyway, for some reason, he just, he called me Glenstone, Glenstone, Glenstone. Like every time he would see me, that Isn't Glenstone, that Glenstone, Glenstone. Sounds like a place. He just made it up out of the blue. So as time went on, everybody just kind of just turned into the stone. Mm. That's funny. It rhymes yep. with gemstone. That's dope. So, so like gemstone. my dingies, all my dingies gear have the stone on you know, like the jackets and the shirts. Oh, shit. And my truck had it on the side, you know, because like in the old days you used to put your name of the driver like right on a tow truck. So it said the stone right there. Stone. So to this day, when he sees me, if anywhere we go, if I run into him at the mall, how Glenstone, long were you tall? I always thought it because you were, I always, wow, I can't speak. I always thought it was because you were little and you were tough. Nope. So instead of being the rock, you were the stone. Because nope. your dad was a stone. <laughs> Nicknames. But that was, that's a good description of like what I used to do in sports. Like I was small but gritty and I just used to like, a matter of effort was stone how was an I athlete became. Back in the day? An, oh, dude, I played till I was five years ago. Played what? Everything, basketball, football. Like I played flag football tournaments. Like we played in tournaments together. Yeah, we like won think a about tournament. that. Like who has the ability to play competitive football with your son? Dad, yeah. I need you to hold up your pinky to that camera right now. <laughs> Close your hand and go like this. It's off camera. <laughs> the pinky's not on. Hold up, zoom out. You can like, just just zoom in on it right there because that gives you a good. My boy got two thumbs. One hand. It's this <laughs> knot on here is like I don't even know where it came from. How'd you do we that? Had How'd so you do many that? Injuries. Two thumbs, Dude, I broke one my hand. Nose three times. We had injuries. We just we relentlessly played sports constantly, two to three, four times a week. Basketball, football in the winter, like just. That's why you're so full of life. Yeah, we were we were insane. We were insane. What's your craziest injury story, Glenn? Well, I don't know about crazy, but funny. So we were playing football at King Street Park. It was literally like packed snow. It was the perfect field to play in the winter. So we were playing, I think it was John Murphy, Greg DeFreya, a couple other guys. You know, we always, it was always competitive. So it was like our team against their team. Meet us there Thursday night. You know, we're going to kick your ass, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, I got smashed in the face and I looked at my brother and I'm like, dude, is it broke? Like it? It's broke. Like I can feel it. And they, you know, they just look at me like, no, nah, it's fine. Let's go play. I get home and the nose is like that. Oh, like when I looked in the mirror, when I got home, I was like, oh, it's fucking broke. So the doctor broke it again. And then, no, I'm sorry. I broke it a year or two years later playing basketball. Somebody elbowed me coming down for, with a rebound. And then when I went to the doctor, he broke it again to finally straighten it. So the first time I just left it. The second time they broke it, I was like, all right, just straighten it because it's like, I don't want to go through life with a crooked nose. I don't get how you break a nose. There's no bone in there. No, you get whacked like this or whacked on the side. It's yeah. But what is it? Cartilage? What are we breaking? Oh, there's a bone I'm not a right doctor. Here. I don't know. It's, yeah, but it ends like up here. It ends right fucking here yeah, where no, the bone ends. There's kind of bone right here. Yeah. This part of it is cartilage, but this part is got bone in it. 
Who's got a skull? Someone give me a skull. <laughs> I got a fucking skull. Right, it has that like a fucking weird opening yeah. there. Yeah, no, there's some there's some bone there. You know, you two are pretty similar. He's got four brothers. Well, technically five brothers. We got four brothers. Four brothers. You guys Big grew, family. We grew both up in drove a tow trucks. Yep. yep. Both Italian. Yep. Mm. You drove tow trucks or flatbeds? Or both? Flatbed. Yeah. Well, what's the difference? Well, oh, tow yeah. truck, sling, no, wheel lift, yeah, yeah. yeah. But I only did transportation. I never did any type of like recovery or anything like yeah, that. Yeah, we we chased accidents. We did you know, flip cars over. Craziest story. Come on, give me one. Worst accident. <sighs> oh, this one's brutal. I already think I know it. Uh, I mean, like seeing brains getting scooped up with shovels. Uh, and what? There was one. I'll tell you what. That w- This is probably the one I remember the most and just. I don't even know how to describe it, but it was it, it was probably the craziest thing I ever seen in terms of like the perfect impact. So as you're going down towards the um, spack and kill overpass mm-hmm. years ago, there was no divider there. Oh, shit. So what happened and it it kind of puddled in that area. So whenever there was rain, hydroplane, you baby. would hydroplane. Well, this car just perfectly hit the other car coming at it and it literally shoved the body up into the roof of the car like when you walked up the whole side of the car was gone and i looked in and i'm like where's the body it was literally just pressed against the ceiling it was a i mean the car was like half of a car and the body was just you know the accident was bad because at no point in that story did he refer to there being a person it was a body, body. instantly Dude, it was literally like that that person had no clue what was coming was it dead a dude? on the instant that i don't remember i think it was a woman but i couldn't swear to it and another one when you're coming up where you're going into marish you come up by the water plant and then it like straightens out just before you get to marish years ago there was a light pole that had a um concrete bottom to it mm. and somebody had been flying and years ago you know cars didn't have airbags they didn't have protection seatbelt laws right back then the girl was literally like stuck to the steering wheel like she was talking but like she could she was implanted she against did, did she die they were like talking to her and trying to cut her out and it was just it was did crazy she live? Scene. Oh, she lived. Yeah, she was alive. Like oh it, it wasn't God. like it wasn't physically implanted inside oh. her, so to speak. But she was like wedged between the seat and the steering wheel. Everything in the car had pushed. That's crazy. so far into the cars have come a long way, and yes. the safety and regulations. Oh, you would fucking you would never see that today. The way a car is designed, like it's almost impossible. I remember they all used everything to be boats. Would, they what? They all used to be boats. Oh yeah, everything just, was a boat. Just a huge frame with an engine and pieces inside i so let's talk about cars you were in car sales for 24 years 20 and a half 20 and a half wait really 20 and a half i thought it was longer well 24 years in sales but 20 and a half another two and a half here where'd you start with that Mm. what in sales in general in cars yeah yeah so i was I drove 10 years for my brother tow trucks. I just got married and had kids and moved into a house and I decided like I didn't want to be on the road anymore. So I had went to the body shop. I started painting cars. I did that for about four years. And then I went from one body shop to another. That was another story. We 
I basically got fired the first job I ever got fired for, and that was for um Huff and Pink. No. <laughs> <laughs> There was there was a little uh, shenanigans between uh, a couple of guys in a paint shop, and it escalated to the point where we both got fired. Oh shit! But the Over guy shenanigans. Worked, the guy wars, I worked right? for was like just he was a weird dude. So wasn't it prank wars? You guys yeah, just started pranking prank each other. Wars, yeah. Yes. You know what I did? Can we get some details? <laughs> Give me some Listen details. To this one. So I forget what it was. It was a. It was either a dead bird or like a big dead <laughs> bug, right? So I'd found it and I was like, I'm going to go put it in this guy's car and like yeah. scare the shit out of him. So I put it over the visor and I like tilted the visor down a little. So like eventually it would just like vibrate oh, yeah. off and fall. His wife was driving the car when it fell. Shut up. So he came in. This That's literally why I got fired. That is the story oh of God. why I got fired. Was she the she girl? came in and we like shit was getting thrown around. We were fucking fighting each other. And but yeah. you guys were just playing around. No, or? no, dude, he wanted to kill me. Like he was, no, well, that was one of a couple fights at the dealer. That's fucking yeah. funny. Oh yeah. It was crazy. But that you weren't even selling cars. That was at a body shop. No, that was at the body shop. And that's how I got fired. That's what I'm saying. That's that's how I got out of the first body shop. Mm -hmm. Went to the second body shop, which is much nicer guy, much nicer environment. And I had been looking into sales because again, now I have kids. I want to do something that's gonna advance my career, make more money, you know, afford to give my kids a good living. And uh Joe Lomorello, I'll never forget. He was one of the nicest people I've ever worked for. Taught taught me a lot of good life. Joe lessons. or John? Joe. The father. Oh. No. So Vince oh. Lomorello started the business. John was the one that does the quarterback. Low motion. Yeah, that's his cousin. Yeah, I'm friends with the sons. So his cousin, Joe, ran the body shop that was handed down from his father. I'm just telling you, a great, great, great person. Anyway, I had been looking into sales, looking into sales, and he was basically the one that said, listen, you got to go do it. You got to go do it. Like, just, you know, stop thinking about it and just go do it. Like, I know your intentions and you're a good guy and you'll do great in sales. And the funny thing was, is, is I had such a hard time deciding to go into sales because as a mentality, I had the same mentality that everybody else did about car sales, which is, you know, you got to be a snake oil salesman and you got to lie to people and you got, you know, mm. and he looked at me one day and cause I, I literally said that out loud to him. I was like, I, I, I can't do that, Joe. And he looked at me, what professional salespeople don't do that. Like, so there was a great at what you do. And I, that was the day I decided, Oh, that's, I'm going to do it. I can do that. Cause I'm an honest guy. I'm a reputable guy. I want to build a clientele. I want to have a good. So you thought you had to be literally a con man to be a car. Literally. There was a stereotype back then even about oh, being God, a car yes. sales. Why oh, do they God, always yes. get such a bad yeah. rap? I don't they get do. it. I, I mean, listen, I, I was thinking insurance is worse. Insurance fucking salesmen lawyers? can fuck you over. Lawyers can fuck your whole life up. Literally. Cause with lawyers, you have no clue what's going on. The worst yeah. a car sales guy could do is get an extra thousand bucks. On right. I mean, in, in, even in that time, 20 years ago, there was people knew what the cost of the car was invoice. They could call their buddy. There was enough information on the internet. Like it's, it was, it was hard to be that type of a con man, so to speak in yeah. that business. And 
you know, that was the other thing I tell people all the time. I was never the one on the interview. They were the one on the interview. I wanted to work for a reputable dealer. I did my due diligence in terms of, you know, picking somewhere to work for. I'd been on six interviews. I didn't, I mean, half the guys are like, Glenn, I'll give you a, they knew me. I knew all the guys in the car business. I've been in this area forever. Everybody knows my Well, I happen to know that this story doesn't end that way. What do you mean? Continue telling us about okay. your career in cars. So anyway, <laughs> I went on a bunch of interviews and there was two or three guys that were like, here's a dealer plate. Come back tomorrow. You're hired. You know, blah, blah, blah. Like, and Any I names? Like, you, I know a lot of car dealers. Well, I don't know. Are, are we appropriate to say names of people? Well, and they're they're not going to yes. fucking watch it. Talk about it. So Poughkeepsie Nissan was the first place I went to. Franny Pomerico was a great friend of mine. I grew up with him. And that was basically more just a information gaining session. I was like, Hey, I'm thinking about getting into the business. Like, give me a little insight. So I know learning the the ropes, right? I want to know what I'm in for, what I had to ask when I go on an interview, what do I expect? You know, blah, blah, blah. So he didn't hire me because he probably, and he says it to this day, he wish he did, but he, he, he didn't think at that time that I would have been a good salesperson. So he just gave me the information and sent me on my way. So I went to mm. Calandria, I went to Duchess Dodge, the Mulaney's, uh, Mulcahy's rather, uh, Hudson was Sean. one of them. Sean's yeah, cool Sean, guy. John, good people. Yeah, no doubt about it, good people. Um, there was a couple so more So you always went remember. to dealerships, you never did used car? Oh, no, I was definitely not going to a used car. I yeah. wanted to go to a dealership. Again, it's more of a reputation, there's more of a, I mean, that was one of the things I learned from Franny too, you know, you're warranties with the cars, new cars, you know, you just have a much more expansive clientele Mm. and a reputation with, you know, a dealership. So yeah, it just, it just happened that the more I did the investigation uh, throughout one thing I knew I wanted to sell American cars. It's like anything when you're in sales, you have to believe in what you sell in. So Mm -hmm. I Always bought American cars. I wanted to sell American cars. I was just talking to your son about that today. Uh, I told really? him, I'm, I'm buying American cars from here, here on out. Oh, yeah. I, I, to me, it was always, I've always been a patriot. And like, I mean, I wish we could buy more American products. You can't buy American TVs. You can't buy American no. electric drivers. You can't buy. Yeah, you can. They suck. Well, <laughs> I don't even think they exist. Like, tell me they one. Probably, they probably don't. Like, tell no. me one, you know, because I don't know any. Well, Stone, why are so many people buying uh, foreign cars, uh, especially Asian cars in the uh, United States? Well, there was a time. So it's like anything. It's just like why people have that um, or why car salespeople have that reputation is because once you get it in your mind, it doesn't matter if it really changes. It's just you believe it now. So it's, you know, like. And what do they believe now about In terms cars? of the foreign right. So that's what I was going to get to. If you you know, years ago when the foreign cars came on the market, they were good in a sense. They were more reliable. They got better gas mileage. I don't know if they rode any better, but. but that they, was mostly like G- Japanese and Chinese. Yeah, cars. Toyota, exactly. Honda. Toyota, yeah. Honda. When they came on the market, like it kind of made a splash. Like at first everybody laughed at them, but then when they got into the, you know, the business for a couple of years and people were. So you were around saving the money. No, but I know the history of the cars. Oh, okay. Like, well, listen, I was driving tow trucks. So I was still kind of attached to the car business. All we did was work for dealers and run wrecks. And it was all kind of a part of my, you know, a part of my job, so to speak, or my employment. When you started selling Cadillacs, were they, uh, were they like the Cadillac still? Was that like the 
fucking Bentley or was it done with? <laughs> so listen, uh, like even Cadillac made that transition. So kind of to follow up on what he was asking about, the import cars were good. Then the American cars started getting really good, but people didn't like recognize that you're, you're, you're taught for so long, just go buy a Honda, go buy a Honda, go buy a Honda. And you right. didn't even recognize that the Cadillac was a way better car and, and the, the GMC was a way better truck. And, you know, it took a while for people to finally realize that, no, these are, these have, are better. They've overtaken a lot of these, you know, foreign cars. The rides were better. The interiors are better. The technology was better. I mean, when, when it comes to trucks, you know, as much as I know about them, like GMC is the truck period. Like there's no if, ands or buts about it. If you know, the inner workings of it, the frame, the suspension, the engine, the transmissions, the durability, the reliability, the, the towing capability, the payload, when you look at all that and you break it down, there's nothing comes close. Ford is a really close second, but then, you know, you get Dodge and all that, which is not a very good long term reliable vehicle. Yeah. So anyway, the, the Cadillac became like really the the new Cadillac because it was just like Buick. Buick had their people died off, like literally. The yeah. people that bought yeah, I know. Buicks I literally always, died. I can't think yeah. of Buick without smelling mothballs. Right. <laughs> so the fucking old people. They always. had to transition into a whole new clientele. Cadillac had to do the same thing. Cadillacs were big luxury Cadillacs that the mafia guys drove and yeah. your uncle drove that was a bookie and, you know, like all that stuff. So once it transitioned into more of a, you know, right around 2002, 2003, which was, I think was the first year of the CTS, that's when it really started to transition. It took probably until 2010 to 2014 to really, you know, you know, that transition to fully take effect, but that's when it became more of a sport luxury car, which yeah. Mercedes and BMW already were. They had the luxury, but they also had the sport version where Cadillac just had the luxury first. And then it like, you know, turned into, a, they had to evolve with the market. They have to, cause well, that was their market. What was the first decade of selling cars? Like, um, your first decade, it was, the car business was really at its prime in the sense that it wasn't internet yet. There was still people coming through the door. So like, <laughs> it, it's funny if you look at, so just going back to salespeople in general, like sales is easy as long as you work, as long as you're out there talking to people, getting referrals, hitting the floor. Sales is a contact get, sport. Right. You have to be, you know, I can remember guys like, oh, I just spent two hours with that guy. I need a break. No, I dropped somebody. I'm on the next person. Mm. Like I, I'm one after the other. So you had that type of uh, uh, flow into the dealership where you you could easily just sell cars if you just put your mind to it and you actually worked and you were halfway decent at what you did. So in the beginning, that's it was that good. I mean, we what, just what year sold was that? Cars. I started in March twenty fourth, two thousand. 2000. Yep. I feel like back in the day going and buying a new car was a fun experience. And now it seems like a dreadful fucking thing that everybody hates to do. <laughs> yeah. It, I, it always has been, but I, when the mentality of the consumer finally realized that like the, they know the cost of the car and there isn't like any back end stuff that we're really making that they don't know about once they became educated it was easier for them to buy a car and mm. less 
stressful for them to buy a car. You know, before when there was no idea of what, you know, the car really cost and the dealer really made on it. Now it's like you feel like you're getting the, the rug pulled out from underneath you. So it was, there was more tension by the consumer. Now there's less in that sense because they're like, yeah, you're only making 500 bucks on the car. Okay. You're making a little back ending money from the dealer, but I only want to know what you're making off of me. Mm, Does anybody so. know um, what the historical kind of original car sales structure was before it turned into dealerships? No. Uh, no, I really, I mean, I, it kind of had been dealerships. Like you could go back into the forties and the fifties there, there were still dealerships. Really? Yeah. I, I can't mean, imagine cars being sold that. any other way. Well, I'm guessing that when it was like new, 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 it was, you had to have enough money to buy one and you just said, Oh, I want straight you know, from the model. Two. From yeah. Ford, just yeah. give it to me. That's you know, crazy. And they produced it and you, you know, you picked it up. Bought and it they delivered it to you, right. Hmm. Before we go into more stigmas uh, around car sales, I think it's interesting to point out that, and I don't think a lot of our viewers know that both Zach and Tony's dads were both in car sales. Damn. Mm, that's true. My dad was a car dealer. Oh, no way. A car huh. used car around here? Dealer. Yeah, he used to own, uh, you know that lot across the street from Smiles? Right right going oh, down. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. yeah. It's Wheels Are Us now. Wheels Are Us, yeah. Steven owns it. Yeah, Steven, yeah. Yeah. So Wait, Steven's- your father owned that? Yeah. And my, I, I, it was either my father with my Uncle Vinny they both owned it. Didn't Noel um, own it too or run it too for a little bit? Uh, he might have worked there. He never owned well, it. Well, oh. Steve, I had known over the years, but I finally realized that Steve is, has some type of relationship with your family, right? Who's Steve? He's my uncle. He's your uncle. He's married to? Cynthia, but she's not. She's not family. He's Tony's so. mom's brother. Oh, oh mom's yeah. brother. That's right. That's yeah. what it is. He's I'm my bad. crazy uncle. Gotcha. I buy every car I've had for the last fucking 20 years off of him. Mm-hmm. He was always he a wholesaler. A he was a wholesaler who had some retail stores. Is yeah. what it really was. Well, now, his he, main... now he's got Northeast Ford, MAG Auto is his. They have a couple Mag, locations. Yeah. Yep. And he's still got Wheels of Us. Yep. Yep. He's Going killing on. it. He's he actually everybody I talked to about him because I didn't know him personally before I met him at the party. Um, I, he always had a good reputation. Everybody. Yeah, he's a good dude. He's good a really guy. good dude. So cool. I was at, uh, I don't mean to interject, but I was, I saw the Bentley. Zach, have you seen it or no? Yeah. Okay. Cause I, w I went into Savona's in Poughkeepsie and I was just walking in and he was right there with Cynthia and he got up and like said hello to me, shook my hand. was like, Hey Bryce, how are you? He was, it was like, I was like, wow, how cool he was. You know? Hey, he's just a really nice he's guy. He's a very down earth guy. Yeah. The first time I ever met him, I was with your brother. We went to his house. Noel just had started selling solar. He brought me to his house and, uh, we went inside for, first he showed me his, new motorcycle then he showed me his rv then we went inside by the time we got inside we walked into his third living room and uh he had a full racing simulator that was yeah. like a thirty thousand dollar racing simulator you get in you close the fucking door it's a whole cage <laughs> the seat turns in the fucking thing three tv screens yeah three tvs all around you it's it like crazy. a legit indie car simulated. Yeah. I tried. Like, drive. He's like, I'm, I'm racing driven. with this guy in Germany right now. I'm like, holy yeah, fuck. You really think you're in a car. It's so realistic. It's crazy. Yeah, that thing was cool as hell. Oh. That sounds fun. <laughs> let's go. Let's go visit. It's all some fun. Racing NASCAR. It. You can Badass. race NASCAR, Formula One, all sorts of crazy shit. Yeah. Um, all right. So what was, what was the second decade of car sales like when it started to not be so good anymore? Yeah. So it. The the actual numbers went down in terms of how much you could produce 
over a year's time. In my numbers, right. Yeah. Like over, I mean, we did, I had years where I did. As an industry or for yourself? I, as an industry, yeah. you know, obviously it kind of filters down through everybody, right. all the dealerships, all the, all the manufacturers. Um, but my pay scale stayed the same. I got a lot of deals, you know, so to speak, since I had been there for so long, there was a little bit of pay for this, a little bit of pay for that. They pay me manager pay, lot pay, things like that. So, I mean, it was just a way for him to, you, you have to keep, you know, people, especially good people. So, you know, you don't want them jumping ship, which right. I never really thought of anyway, because whenever you're in any sales business, it's clientele. If I jump ship and go somewhere else, cause the guy's going to pay me a little more money per week. Well, I got to build my whole clientele over it. Yeah. But you know, it's, it got to the point where I was still making the same money, but it was harder to sell the amount of cars in a month. So I had done 120, 125 a year. We had, in fact, right after, so it was, there was 9-11, and then a couple of years later, I think it was 04 and 05, GM came out employee pricing. Like that was like a marketing scheme. Yeah. Dude, we sold every single car in a parking lot. Wow. Like if you've seen Hudson, there's rows and rows and rows of cars all the way up around the back. Yeah. By the second month, we had one row of cars. Like that's crazy. It was all because the inventory they said was employee gone. pricing. Employee pricing. Like we were just walk up. Which one do you want? Okay, come on inside. This is the price. When you want to pick it up, put them in the office. Walk. I we did. That was the biggest month I ever had. Twenty eight cars and doing fifteen or eighteen was like spectacular. Yeah. I mean, me and Bobby O. Those two months, I think between the two of us, we sold a hundred cars. Bobby O. Bobby yep. O'Connor. O'Connell. What's a commission what? uh, percentage like on a car sale, Glenn? Just you don't really about. make you don't really make money on a commission. You make money on all your bonuses. So like, so hit me with some numbers. GM would pay you. I mean, they had all kinds of you know different programs throughout time. So it, really, on a car, you make between a hundred and two hundred bucks, depending on a what? dealership. Yeah, dude, nothing. Wow. Well, that nothing. that means you only made. What's a hundred times 120? No, no. But you had, you had bonuses at the end of the month for a couple thousand, depending on what level you hit. GM would pay you 200, 300 bucks a car. There was times when they did like a, almost like a lottery, like a, like a wheel spin. Like you, you hit it, you'd sell a car if it was a Sierra or a Grand Prix or whatever, you would take the VIN, you'd go back onto your computer, you'd plug in the VIN and then you'd click a button and it would like spin out a number. I remember walking out of, this was like when we didn't even actually have each separate computers at our desk. This was like really early. You had to go to one computer in the back or two computers. One was in the back, one was in the other side of the showroom. I I walked out after like four cars. I had like 3,700 bucks. It's like a game. Do you think like the a, fuck kind of a pay scale is it? Dude, it was crazy. Scratch off ticket cars? What no. the fuck is that? <laughs> it was like, so I hit one, it was like 500. I rolled the next one, it was like 1,000. I rolled the next one, it was like 1,500. I walked out and like everybody's looking at me like, dude, I just like hit. That's the, the crazy. Lotto dude, of what, cars. What GM think? GM's like, these car dealers are degenerate. They don't want paychecks. They want scratch off tickets. <laughs> right, but listen, so- you're not making the money on the car. It's so that was the transition where, cause they say now, like you're really like the dealer runs the dealership. I mean, the manufacturer runs a dealership, not the dealer. Like, so now the dealer, the manufacturer is funding 
your salespeople instead of the dealership funding the salespeople. So ah. the manufacturer is now in control. And, you know, they did it, you know, it's, it's smart. Like everything I did, it was on a three month pay. So like whatever I did this month, I didn't get paid for three months. So it was like every quarter. So like you were hooked. Like you didn't want to leave if you had 3,000, 4,000, 5,000, oh, $10,000 in the bank. Yes, they keep you. That's so You know, they don't weird, pay at the end man. of the month because then you collect your money. You go, hey, F you, I'm going to sell cars Is that for this 100% guy. commission-based sales, Glenn? Pretty much. Okay. I mean, they paid you right. a now, base salary of 150 or 200. I didn't even pay my health insurance. I didn't pay oh, really? nothing. You know, I so, mean. Does the wholesaler, does the manufacturer sell the car to the dealership or do they just give it to you and then give it to the dealership and then wait till the dealership sells the car and then they take their wholesale cut? Yes to both because it's really just financed. So even though they oh. sell it to the dealership, the dealership is now just financing it until they can sell the car. That's what they call a floor plan. So he got an entire dealership floor planned and he's just trying to sell it fast enough. So there's more coming in than he's spending on his floor plan. So it's not so clean mm. cut what kind of like how fucked over the consumer is. Like, it's not like the whole- Nobody, listen, no consumer ever got fucked by buying a car. It's, not, it's not just like a, a, an obscene markup? No, but but that, where is the where is the sinning making profit? Like, everybody's supposed to make a profit. So you know but how like much- every. If it's Apple, everybody's it's, got to get a piece. Like if Apple makes a phone for $50 and they sell it to you for 50, 1500, well then Apple ripped off everybody in the world. Mm. Yeah. That's a bar. So it's that's, not, a, a an, it's not a gross markup. Like what would the markup be though, Glenn? Like uh, genuinely on a car? Yes. I mean, if you make a thousand bucks on a car, it's the dealership we're talking about. Correct. That's Correct. not even crazy considering That's the prices no. of cars nowadays. No, but again, getting back to what I just said, now the the manufacturer is going to fund them. All right, if you sell 10 of these Sierras, I'm going to give you $10,000 every month or $20,000. So they're doing those same games with the dealer as the dealer's doing with the Correct. Sales? Wow. And they're, and they're waiting three months to get their wow. money. Wow. I have one more question in the line of this, and then I'll let you guys flow. Um if you could just give me an approximate round number, whatever comes to your head, what percentage of the people who walk on the lot buy a car? Mm. Just give me. Well, that. a closing ratio. Is it tax season? For, <laughs> well, listen. What's the percentage? Listen, there, was always, there was always a reason somebody would want to buy a car. Tax season, Christmas, like, right. you know. It's seasonal. So what well, percentage of the people only, that walk on the lot buy a car? It's, it's a closing ratio is 25%. So okay. that's a good closing ratio, almost an average. Like somebody that's not that good will do 20. Somebody that's really good will do 35. Like nobody's doing 50% closing ratio. It's impossible. So now my follow-up would be what percentage of people would buy a car in your opinion if there was no salespeople on the lot? But listen, that's mm. been my argument forever. So perfect scenario. Like I just bought that Tesla. Like, For fuck's sake, I want to ask that fucking question. <laughs> I had a fucking shit written down. Go ahead. Right. So- you know, I never talk to a person. You go online, you order the car that you want, and there's the price. And I have I I said this for 10 years when I was at the dealership. It should be a one price period. Cuz here's the dilemma when you get into the real heart of selling something, their focus when they come in is I need to get the price down, right? Like mm. 
Like they're not wow. actually thinking How did that about even with what cars? car, what's the options going to be? What color do I want? They're not focusing on the car. They're focusing on, I got to go negotiate with the salesperson and I got to negotiate with the Where did the that manager. even come from? Well, it's just the psychological mess that we've created. I don't get it. Like you never see somebody go to a stop and shop and then they're like, okay, $300. Right. And then they go, all right, but what can you really right. do? <laughs> exactly. And it's like, so it's a- nobody's selling you shit at a different price. What are you talking about? Right. And listen, it's your house. You negotiate. There's a lot of things in I life. I think that maybe you it's because used cars. No, it's just that's how it's, it's it was buying from a person created from the beginning. You're you're putting a salesperson right in the middle, which mm. was my point. Like, okay. when I bought a Tesla, I didn't have a salesperson. I right. bought a car and right. then they gave me the paperwork and I did the paperwork and I did the financing and I went in and they went sign a paper. See you later. That's you know, crazy. I mean, they would ask me, you know, if I needed questions answered or I needed Tesla to see sells. how to. So well, listen, back, so on the point, back on the point of Tesla. Every car company is going to have to do that. But the only problem is Tesla has built a brand where people don't even want to go look at the car. They just want to go buy the fucking car because it's so cool. So the problem that's going to happen with like Ford, Toyota, Cadillac, whatever it is, is they have to build such a brand where they can, people don't need to ask questions about the car. Like they just want the car. Because if if it's all online, there's no salesman to sell it. Then when they come in, they're just going to buy a car walk into the lot and buy it all just like Tesla. Not necessarily. So you're kind of on the right point. So this is, this is really what it comes down to. So, you know, Saturn did that right years ago. Saturn was a one price. I mean, I think that was almost a, a test run by GM. Like, let's see how this works. But getting back to what I said, if, if you stop thinking about the price now you're going to go look at the GMC Acadia and what color you want and what options you want. Cause you already know the price of the car. Now you're more focused on the car. And then when you go to look at the Nissan and the Honda and whatever else you're comparing it to, you're not comparing price. So to speak, you're like, what car do I want? Mm. Like what car fits my family? What car rides better? What car looks better? What car has better technology? The problem with the price is everything gets mixed in now. And now you're just thinking, oh, well, that one's $20 less. I should go with that one, even though that might not be the one that you want. It's the age old story. Like, and this has happened so many times with people. Like literally when I was there, I, you would get the feedback years later. You know, the guy would go, you know, do you want the sunroof or don't you want the sunroof? It's 20 bucks more. Oh, you know what? I don't need the sunroof. And then three years later, come back and go, why didn't I just get the sunroof for fucking 20 bucks? Uh-huh. Like you, you're so focused on the money that you forget you're going to own the car. Like mm-hmm. just get what you want and stop worrying about right. 20 bucks. You spend that on lunch. You spend that, you know, on dinner with your family, 10 times that on dinner with your family. If you're going out, is that part of your pitch? Yeah, of course. I mean, it's, and it's true because, you know, I don't say anything that isn't true. Like, I would be the same way when I go to buy something. Like I'm not thinking like I want the cheapest. I want what's <laughs> best for me, right? I mean, not everyone it, thinks that way. No, I know, and that's okay. Everybody's different. And, Scarcity mindset, and that's what you're pulling out of the consumer when you're talking to them. Do you care about price? Do you care about options? Do you care about colors? Do you care about luxury? Do you care about economy? Like there's 
everybody's a different person and you have to kind of not weave your way through it in the terms of, of, of um, fooling them, but you're trying to help them buy the car. Like I would say that all the time, you know, to, to, to some of the new guys, I'm like, listen, you just don't screw it up. Like just try to help them. And if you genuinely are, it becomes less about price and more about you and the service your dealership provides and, and what you're getting for your money. Or do you truly, if you buy something for three fifty and you hate it, or you buy something for 400 and you love it, what's a better decision? Mm. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. So you have to have that mentality and it's, you know, all these things are just really just life in general. You just have to transition, you know, the, the person, the sale, the product into making sure it makes sense for that person. You know, that's what a, that's what a professional does. A professional doesn't just talk somebody into the payment and sign the papers and see you later. Like I want you to be genuinely happy with me, the dealership with the car and it, you know, it builds trust and it builds relationships. Number one, show them the ring now. That was the ring for what? 20 years of excellence at Hudson Cadillac? 20 years mark of excellence. Sick. Um, so, Badass looking ring. Yeah, first, it's a Super Bowl fucking ring. First one cool. that's ever done it. Probably, I don't know if anybody ever will, but it'll be pretty hard to beat. There's levels that you have to hit every year, which is training, sales and then also csi it's all tied together so you have to each what's csi each level customer satisfaction index got it so you know they're rating you you're getting your reviews whatever so you have to hit all of those within one year and each year you know first year you do it which was literally the first full year i was there i got it and then every year you qualify you send a ring back they put a new diamond in it and so on and so on and so on. So for 20 years straight, every single year I sent it back and got a new diamond. So there's eight there. There's 18 because I left in the 20th year. And one year before that, he actually didn't sign me up for mark of excellence, even though I won it every single year. It just ended up having 18 in it, which was good because there's 14 in the middle. On the 15th year, I got a new ring and they started around the outside of the ring because there's a new there's a new place to put them all. So now it's just symmetric. Mm, There's one diamond here, one diamond here, one diamond here, one diamond here, and 14 in the middle. So it would have kind of sucked if I hit 19 or 21 because it wouldn't look good. So now it looks symmetrically. It looks perfect. I want to see that thing. Uh, Can I see that thing? Everything happens for a reason. You're always where you're meant to be. That's my... Before we go on to what happened when you quit uh, and walked out of the dealership. Hold up. Before we happened when you quit and you walked out of the dealership, I want to go back to your point about helping people in sales. Because mm-hmm. I just was saying this. Uh, let me see it. I, haven't, I never look at it. Actually, on, the, on the sides where it says GM, I want to get that black out done again. They uh-huh. did it in silver. I hated it. So I took it to a jeweler and he did the black background because it makes the GM everything pop. else stand out. It yeah, makes yeah. the diamond stand out. It makes the GM stand out. So that I got ring is what supported fit. your household, bro. Listen, it's not even. Fingers. So it's funny. This whole thing comes up like it's not even the jewelry itself that it's the achievement part of it that oh, yeah. you're proud of. It's the not most the ring itself. Thing that ring right. Is, it's, is, Correct. 20 years to get that ring. Correct. Well, All right. Well, listen, I wanted to go, go back. That. Hold up. I wanted to go back now to, help, to helping people and how you can truly sell a product when you're trying to. Uh, 
when you're trying to figure out when you're trying to ask them questions and actually find out what they need like there's still such this stigma around sales and like in you general. can't fucking lie to people in sales anymore correct there's no product on planet earth that you can get away with lying to people and for everyone who i talk to people all the time i fucking hire train fire people every goddamn day and i still hear people like oh i'm not a salesperson if you have something that you love you can sell it to anyone. Like if you try a new product that's a supplement product and all of a sudden you lose 20 pounds, you could sell that product without even trying and you don't even realize. You just think, oh, if I have to go sell somebody, then you won't be able to. Yeah, because you're probably trying to sell a product you don't like. Mm. So if you're, in a sale, if you're in the sales game and you can't fucking sell, there's a good chance it's, you don't even like the product you're selling. If you sell BMWs, not mine. If you sell BMWs and you drive a Honda to work, I just don't know what to tell you. I don't know what to tell you. True. Well, so I got news for you. We're all salespeople. Everybody. Period. Yeah. In life. You sell your kids on how they you want to raise them. You sell the girl that you want to meet. You you sell everything in life is some type of sales. It's it's an influence and it's a give and take in every part of your is life. Just a transfer of emotion. Correct. So you've been in sales all your life and the sales has taught me some of the best life lessons. And I've met some of the most awesome, intelligent, spectacular, interesting people in sales. Like you, you don't meet somebody like that, that, works in construction or works at stop and shop mm -hmm. or works in a factory or works at IBM. Salespeople are the best. It's crazy as shit. It's because we all, we're all mental in the sense that we're a little crazy, but we're also all kind of, you know, we really dig deep into the psychology of everything. Mm -hmm. Life, mm -hmm. people, why we're here. Like it's just a part when of. You're selling a big ticket item. You're literally signing up to be like, I want to, I want to meet new people and convince them to buy something that's going to change their life forever. Yeah. I want to meet them and help them, you know, make a decision that is ultimately going to change their life. Yes. It's, it's, it really is like, and they said it all the time and it's true. It's been proven a million times. They're not buying the product. They're buying you like mm. to the point where, so when we, we go back and we talk about the dealership and even in solar sales, like when you're sitting in front of somebody, you know, you're the presentation you're, you are plug PV and you are solar. So the better you present it, the more they trust you, the more you, they understand it. And you, you, you show it to them in a way that makes sense to them versus what they're currently doing. They say yes. So like this blew my mind. So my boss would get mad at me because people would come in and ask for me and he would say, well, I own a place like I can help you. And they would go, I'll see you later. I'll call Glenn. I got a cell phone. Bye. No, that made him mad. Why would that make you mad? I'm the person Ego. that is going to sell them a car no matter what, because they're not even going to talk to you. They're coming to me. Yeah. Glenn Dingy. That's where they're going to buy it's a car ego, from. for sure. Their son's going to buy a car for me. Their daughter's going to buy a car for me. Their friends at work are going to buy a car for me. Like, that's what you want me to do. Right. Is to make sure that they are my 
clientele. They're my customers forever. And he would always say, they're my customers. And I think to myself, they're mine and you're profiting from it. Right. <laughs> like, why would you be mad at that? Right. I'm making Almost 20%. Lost. You're making 80%. You should be happy that they're my customers. And you cannot be the only person in the dealership selling all the cars. You run it. You make the profit and I sell the cars. Mm. Why would you be mad when I'm successful and people won't even go to another dealership? They're coming to buy a car from me. How many mm. do you, how many managers do you think think like that? Too many. Yeah. Like it's, it, it really, there was so many little nuances in that, that as good as they were and as many lessons that they taught me, there was some of this stuff that was so stupid. Like, how could you not see that part of this business and how important that part of the business is? It was just like salespeople. Like I would always say, like, just don't screw it up. They came here to buy a car. Yeah. Like if you just don't screw it up, you're going to get a sale. <laughs> like, right. You know, don't call the woman, ma'am. You know, if she's the one buying a car, listen to her. Don't talk to the husband. Like, like it's easy if you just listen and you pay attention and you, you know, you actually said this a million times, like you actually care. If you actually care and you're trying to do the right thing by them, you're, you're going to sell. Signed. Nice. Um, on the watch. Love it. <laughs> I know. I love Solograph when I get those signed. texts. <laughs> Perfect. Timing. Sale made. Wait, Ching. wait, just let me see if I got one. No, shit. I'm not a guy today or tomorrow. Tell me, let's hear the story. So after 20 and a half years, mm -hmm. you walked out of Hudson Cadillac because your son was making a shit ton of money. Yep. And you're like, fuck this. I want to sell solar panels. Yeah. So tell the story. Listen, it, there's so many things that happen at the same time. And again, we just, I said it earlier, right? Everything happens for a reason. You're always where you're meant to be. You just listen to the universe and you kind of just, let it flow the way it's supposed to flow, even though you don't think at the moment it makes sense. So it was the relationship with the Mulaney's were just, it was just deteriorating slowly. I saw the whole culture of the sales department just getting worse. And what can you attribute that to? Um, probably one of the things is a son. The other thing is just not keeping your eye on the ball. Like you, you developed it. It's like anything. It's easy to get big. It's hard to stay big, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Like when you're, when you were the new guy on the block, when I joined, he was four years into business. Like it was easy to grow over the next 15 years. You know, now everybody talks about that. Holy shit. Hudson's outselling that guy. He's outselling Calandry. He's outselling a guy in Kink. Now they've got the great reputation. We've got all the inventory we have. You know, we could pull favors. We can get two Yukons this month and two more Sierras than the other dealership couldn't get, you know, so... But once you get there, now you have to, you got to work three times as hard to stay there as opposed to what it was to get there. Mm. And it just, everybody kind of just lost the, the way about it. You know, it was, it was, you know, slipping here, slipping there, you know, the sun comes in now, Mike's not in full control, you know, Matt's a little bit in control and now he's not around to see what this is going on here. And then, you know, you hire a couple bad salespeople, you hire one bad manager and then all of a sudden it just the cracks in the dam start to appear and nobody mm. just, you know, it's like anything when it happens slowly, you don't notice it. 
Right. When it happens all at once, you notice, you know, frog in the boiling water. Right. Or three years later, you look back and you go, holy shit, how did we lose 30%, you know, sales now? Oh, now we got to do something. So all that was kind of happening, plus the change in the market. And, you know, listen, even even what happens in my life affects what happens there. Right. Maybe maybe it was partly me. Maybe like, you know, I I didn't appreciate that they didn't appreciate me Mm. was the major thing. Like when you are the soldier and you do everything you possibly can, not only to keep yourself afloat, but to keep the dealership afloat and to help everybody in the dealership and to make sure you're there early to clean off cars and just whatever. Like I would come in every, I was not getting paid. I would come in every morning early. I'd grab the keys to the cars that were out of place. I would go make sure they got back into place. If something needed to scrape this off or clean that off or get it to the, I just made notes of it and I just went and did it. When somebody came in the door, they said they needed help. You know, I could still like, I would watch it and I still, it just blows my mind. Somebody come in and go, oh, you know, my Bluetooth isn't working. Oh, go to service. No, I'm sorry. What was that? Let me right. say, come, let me see if I can help. Let me right. walk out to the, why didn't you just ask the guy what was wrong? Maybe it was a two minute fix. Maybe you just had to sit in a car and find out that, it needed to be reprogrammed or to unpair and pair it back again. Or was it really a problem with the car? But, you know, I would never think to just like go to service. Yeah. Like that's a terrible interaction. I feel like that's a generational thing. Too. It is. It's just like people like back in the go. day when somebody asked for something, you try to help. them. Right. So anyway, saying all that, it, it's now it's just starting to get like I go into work and I want to punch everybody. Like literally the entire dealership, like everybody leave me alone. I'm going to go in, I'm going to sell my cars and I'm going to go home. Like this isn't fun anymore. I don't enjoy it anymore. Like (laughs) it's crazy. The biggest bum in the store that didn't do anything that was never there that had like three sales a month, if he was lucky or five or whatever, he'd come in and Mike, Hey, how you doing, buddy? How's things? What'd you do yet? And I would walk by and go, hey, I'm only your fucking number one guy for 20 years. Can you at least give some say nice things to me? Right. Like, just say hello and smile at me when I walked in. You don't have to, like, right. you know, rub my penis. Just <laughs> say hi rub and it. make me feel good. Rub my penis. Like, that's what I'm telling you. Like, the disrespect and the just. No admiration, no appreciation, nothing. So yeah, that literally sucks. I was like, but then again, what do you do? I'm married. I have kids. I have, a, what do I I'm just go walk out and not make any money? So you're, you're going into work every day with your blinders on, but you're also like, I'm fucked, stuck here. Yeah. Like why? So, yeah. okay. Fast forward. Now this guy's out there killing it in solar. In the back of my mind, I know solar is a good thing because I'm hearing everything that he's talking about when he's talking to a client, I'm going, I even said to him, I, you know, I tell this story all the time, right? I'm like, do people tell you no? Right. I, I mean, remember hearing that. this like, is why like, would they? A pro- I've never heard such a good product. And then, you know, right after that, it's like, sit down and put solar on my house. Like I, who would want to be married to central Hudson? Like uh, there's no, so you became a customer before you became correct. Wow. Correct. So now I'm also seeing Sold his own dad. How much was that the- commission check? <laughs> Zero dollars. Yeah, you know it's Yeah, that's a G thing. <laughs> <laughs> I know the floor price. Yeah, he knows what it was at. He can calculate it. Yep. So um anyway, 
now just everything that was happening. It was the middle of COVID. I'm in the middle of a divorce. I hate what I'm doing. I see the, the kind of like, I see him blooming. I see that the business is good. I see that the company is good. Um, you know, just like now, now I'm getting in again, just like I did with Hudson. I thought that was a great idea coming in at the, at the beginning, like, you know, so I'm seeing us at the bottom of this wave that we're going to ride. So like everything made sense. And listen, my life's a complete mess anyway. Like it's just, yeah. it's a disaster. So I was already out knocking with him. He was already teaching me how to do it. I think we had gotten a sale. I think peak was already on paper. Yep. It was sometime right around the spring, winter, spring of 20, right? Uh, yeah, March 20. Yeah, because that's when I left, March March of 2020. No, so, you left in November of 2019. No, that's right, November 2019, right. So um, we were. I was already working, and uh, I had and already- All that going on, and you decided to knock doors in the winter? Well, so <laughs> that, I, that was March of 2020. Now I remember. That's when, when I wanted to start. So I was already training and I already knew like, all I want to do is get through car sales into March and then I'll go full time with Zach. In fact, funny thing is I was thinking of the best ways I could quit to like give them the biggest F you. Like, mm. how am I going? I was like designing a way that I could quit and like have it a scene. So anyway, come November 23rd, I think it was. It's in my phone, but I think it was November 23rd. And, um, I'm helping a girl out the day before I'm help. This is just a snippet of like what really was happening at Hudson. I'm sitting at my desk. The girl's right over there. She's new. She's probably within a year and she wasn't really good at what she was doing. Like some people just catch on. Some people don't. She was taking a while to really get her feet about her. So I watched it. She went to one manager who's doing nothing. Doesn't want to help her. Sends her to another manager. Who's doing nothing? Doesn't want to come over. She's in the middle of a sale. Customer is at her desk. Oh my god! The second What's manager. Um. God, I just was down there the other day too. I want to say Crystal, but it's not. I'll. I can't remember at the moment. I'll tell you what it is. Uh. So anyway, now I see. I see her go to John, who's the finance guy, who doesn't even close deals. Like he's not a manager in terms of like being able to help her in that particular situation. So. John's office was right there. I, I saw her walk right in front of my desk and I said, darling, do you need help? She's like, yes, thank you. I was like, okay, cool. I go over there. I talk to the guy. It ends up, I know his son. Uh, I used to work with him at TJ. So put the sale together, wrapped up the paperwork, got him in the office. He comes back the next day to pick up the car. So as he's outside, I walked up to him. Hey, how you doing, Mr. So-and-so? Great car, like beautiful. We got it all wrapped up for you. I hope you enjoy it. Just want to come out and say, you know, congratulations. Good luck on everything. And he looks right at me. He goes, I'm not taking a car unless you give me a trailer hitch. And I was like, uh, I'm not a manager here. Like, I can't help you. Well, your name says on this paper right here that you're a manager on this, on this finance thing. I said, that's just, they had to put my name there. So I had access to the program to run you this type of quote. You're the manager. You, I said, listen, I cannot help you. I will go inside and try to get somebody to help you. But like, you know, 
I can't, like, how bad would it be if I told you it was $500 more today than it was yesterday? You're coming and telling me that I need to give you $500. That's, that's not fair. Right. You know, and he didn't like, like that, that you example. Made a, a perfect point. Right. <laughs> like that's how people get, right? Yeah. I mean, it's just common. This happens all the time in a car business where like deals just blow up. So anyway, I go, listen, just, and he starts stomping away. So I said, listen, let me go inside and talk to Matt. What He's kind already of an asshole. It. Complete asshole. Like complete asshole. But that's what you dealt with all the time. I mean, not all, obviously 70 or 80% of people were good, but 10 or 20% were just, that's what you had to deal with. So I go inside, I grab Matt really quick while the guy's walking around the building because I want Matt, who's the son and supposed to be, you know, this amazing guy. Like you run a dealership. Here you go. This yeah. is Right. You're up, baby. Let's see what you can do. (laughs) You're the man. So anyway, he goes out to talk to the guy. And obviously, like, see, that's another thing that I always argued about. Like, why why win the battle and lose the war? Like, even in that sense, I would have brought the guy in and said, listen, I'll just give you the thing. Okay. Like, don't worry. Come sit at my desk. I'll get you the thing, you know, and I'm going to give you two oil changes too. No, instead, he goes out and fights with the guy. And what happens is guy gets in his car and leaves. No sale over because he wants free shit. It was probably it probably would have cost the dealership two hundred dollars to put a trailer hitch on like real wholesale cost at the end of the day. Yeah. Two hundred bucks. Yeah. And you sell a car and make a profit. You 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 don't see the forest through the trees. You 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 cut off your nose despite your face. Right. Like, why not make the sale, lose the two hundred, make the guy happy and get three referrals? Like they didn't think like that. No, I have so many stories, but anyway. He turns, Matt turns around and comes back in after the guy drives away. Like I'm sitting there watching it. You could even see like the mannerisms between people when you're, even though you don't see the words coming out of their mouth, you're like watching the scene through the glass in the showroom. So it's like, oh, that didn't end good. So anyway, Matt comes in and literally stands right next to me and says to the entire showroom, like announces it, like, listen up, everybody. Don't go to Glenn for TOs. Don't go to Glenn for leases. Don't go to Glenn. And I was like, dude, my face was so beat red. Like I wanted to rip his head off, like literally separate his head from his body. So I took a breath. I literally grabbed my, put my jacket on, grabbed my backpack, the one I always carry around with me. So I just almost the same one slipped in my, my computer, stood up. I turned towards him and he looked at me and he goes, where are you going? I went, fuck you. <laughs> and I turned around and walked out. Like I said it loud because like, obviously I was pissed, pissed out of my mind. The whole showroom just stopped and like looked at me. I just kind of gazed around and watched everybody. And sure enough, Mike's comes running out of the office because he heard me say it to dad. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. So now I'm heading out to the back of the dealership to jump in the dealer car. Cause I was the only salesperson that had a dealer car. And Mike is chasing me out the back. Glenn, Glenn. And I'm just walking dead straight, just walking towards my car. I'm getting out of here. Again, his car, but the car I was driving. I get to the car. I'm putting my stuff in. I'm like bent over. I'm about to get into the car. And I, he said a couple things. I don't even really remember what he said. But the last thing he said to me was, well, if you're not going to work for me, then you don't need my car. So I kind of paused like I was like in the car and I went, oh. <laughs> And I stood up and I turned around and I went, fuck you too. <laughs> and I, th- this is verbatim. This is a movie. Verbatim. I walked down to the curb and I called Olivia. I said, come get me. She was driving my Acadia at the time because I was, you know, driving the, 
steal her car. I said, come get me. She was like, dad, what happened? I was like, I just quit, Hudson. I think I'm working for Zach. It's up tomorrow morning. It's I'm official. Done. God. And that was literally. I love that story. It was. Oh. And so going back to what I said before, right? I'm thinking in my mind, how am I going to design like the best way to leave? Like that was it. Uh-huh. Like, just off the You didn't the cuff, have anything in your desk you needed to grab. Legendary. Well, there's a little more than that, right? So now I'm sitting on the curb and I'm waiting for it to come. Remember I told you they hold your money for like three months? Yeah. Well, I had like three, four grand in the bank and they're going to reset all my passwords. I'm sitting at the curb, like not at the curb down by Route 9. Now I had walked back up to the dealership. I pulled out my thing and now I'm on my laptop. Now I'm transferring my money and Matt is sitting next to me going, Glenn, listen, let's talk about this, blah, blah, blah. No, and no. I'm literally typing as fast as I can, like, transfer, transfer, <laughs> transfer. And as soon as it like, went through, like the spinning wheel goes through and it's like locked in, I closed the laptop. I put my bag down. I walked inside. I grabbed like one of those big garbage bags. And dude, I just literally opened my drawers and started just Everything. throwing my fucking shit in like, violently because you know you're you're in that mood so you're like nobody's like it was funny because if like mike graff came up to me one of my buddies or anybody else and be like clan man sorry to hear that but you know i would have sat there and talked to him but everybody's like just sitting back don't go near him right because like, he's you know so I, I think back on that and i'm thinking why didn't anybody but now nah, i guess i know why nobody like came up and said anything. yeah they didn't know if you're gonna lay him out <laughs> <laughs> i just i literally just threw everything i really wanted there was a bunch of shit in there you know you just clean like stuff i just grabbed the stuff that i wanted i like you know like like the grinch i just wrapped it like this and i just drug it <laughs> out of the dealership and sat right on the curb olivia pulled up i threw my bag in the car i threw the garbage bag and in the back of the it. truck and oh. Tell me about that. Yeah. Tell me how you feel though. Did you feel like a weight off your shoulders? <sighs> you know, it was very mixed. So because you're scared too, you just gave up your main yeah. source of income a little bit. But listen, the fact that I had already like, if I didn't already start training with Zach, and then if I already didn't have a deal written with Peak, and like I had a couple things in the hopper, oh yeah, it would have been a totally different mentality there. There probably would have been a m- lot more like. What the fuck did I just do? Turn the mic up a little bit towards you. There you go. So um, it wasn't really like that, though. It was kind of like, first of all, it was like, God, that felt great. Mm. Like, and I'm- 10 years in the making. Right. And I'm like excited to like go on to this new adventure. And like I said, everything else that was going on in my life, it was like, who gives a fuck? Bring like, it. I'm just bring it. Like, let's go. Like, yeah. let's just do something new. Let's get out of this rut and like, let's move on with our lives. It's like rip the bandaid off, you know? So it was, it, let's define the moment a little bit. You had made no money from solar yet, right? You still had a family to feed. Like, I take me to your emotions. Well, listen, yeah, it, but he didn't make any dollars yet. Yeah. But listen, I'm not, I also am very good with my money. I had money put away. Like I wasn't stressing. It wasn't like I'm going to go home and I can't pay a bill at the end of the month. I could have survived for two, three, four, five months without making anything. You mean poor Zach, you never had to eat ramen noodles? Nope. (laughs) Nope. I always provide for my kids. It's, you know, listen, it's like anything. The best thing in life is for you to have your back against the wall. Like, you know, like you listen, now that you have a kid, 
the whole mentality of your life is going to change. Oh, I and it was the, one of the best things that ever happened to me. So burn the bridge. Zach, that, how did you feel at that moment? Zach, did you, were you scared at all? Or? No, I was lit. I was excited because I knew he had hated the dealership for so long. And then I knew he was going to be in sales and I don't know. I That's think it's crazy. pretty damn cool to work with your dad. You weren't even a uh, manager yet. No, I was, I was, I was starting to be the manager. Yeah. I At was like point? the name, the manager. Yeah. Well, I always think back and I don't even know if you have the timeline but I think there was only maybe three of us. Like, oh, yeah, there was, there was nobody. Noel and... Cameron, another kid, Joe for I think Cameron came after me. I think Joe for came after me. Yeah. There yeah. was only like really two, I maybe three. I was just three. starting to be a manager. I know you were. Yeah, I was just barely a you manager. You were doing well. Like you had already had a couple of years. You had some money in the bank. You had things yeah, flowing. Yeah, I was but selling. like you just started to hire people. And, Correct. And I, I remember doing it in Abe's office and, you know. Old, we were That's just crazy. like in bringing office. tables from my house. Yeah, we brought tables. the fucking plastic table <laughs> and put it. I went and bought a Dollar Tree green cover for it <laughs> right. and laid it over. And we had all mismatched chairs around the office That's when you started. Yep. So, Things have changed. But so like getting back to the emotion that Bryce asked about, like it was a little sad. It was a little scary, um, but it was also like kind of exciting, too, because like I knew I was in sales. I knew I could do sales. I knew this was a good business. I knew this was a good company. Like now you just got to go through the process of learning it all again. So I told him this. I don't know if he actually remembers. Listen, my biggest, I don't know, say concern, I guess, like was starting over. Like I hate to be the new guy that has to learn everything and has to mm. ask people and has yeah, to yeah, yeah, come yeah. looking for help, years. right? Yeah. Like I, 20 years, like people came to me for everything. Like, yeah. Glenn, what do I do about this with this truck? What does it have? What's the gear? What's the, where do I find this? How do I get this fixed? Like, how do you do this financing? Whatever, you know? So like being that guy that just knew nothing and just had to now like well, you got rebuild no, he didn't. No, I didn't. He dude. wanted to know everything yeah, too when he got hired. Yeah, but still, first year you made Cadillac money, right? Your first year in sales. By the end of the year, I had a really tough time getting started. So wait, talking about made Cadillac money, or oh, you made enough money to match Cadillac? What you made yes, Cadillac. I did. The first oh, year, I virtually oh. matched what I made. Yes, yeah. but in he, training, and he knows the story too. So right off the bat, listen, this all ties together. It's crazy how you, you like I can just sit here and dissect everything the way it happened. So I could still remember this and I bet you I could find a video. The next morning I was outside of my house. I was feeling some of the emotions. So I went on Facebook and like gave a little speech, I guess, let's say, or whatever about what happened. Hey, you know, I left the Cadillac and you know, I, Appreciate everybody I worked with, you know, wasn't on good terms, but I loved all my clientele. I'm really going to miss you guys, blah, blah, blah. And I did this whole like five minute thing, right? Well, out of that, I ended up getting three or four people that wanted solar. Shut up. Like they literally saw that and like, so I sold four of them right off the bat. Damn. And I'm like, I'm going to kill this. And dude, I hit a brick wall. Oh, shit. I did nothing for the next four months to <laughs> get my teeth kicked. That's exactly where you needed I to be. I wasn't good on the doors. I just happened to have, but again, it all kind of just, it was just enough to help to like hold me by the thread. So, okay, now I got money coming in. I got deals in the hopper and now I'm out knocking. I'm not doing anything, but at least like I'm not starving. Right. And then just around the time, like I started to learn, I started to get a deal here. I started to get a deal there. Now I have some money coming in and 
you know, it started to work its way out where I started getting, you know, enough that I could support myself now 12 months later. But the first four or five months were were hell. Cancel Rama. Yeah, all cancels and you don't get paid until it gets to the roof, which once you once you finally sign deal in solar, you don't make a fucking dollar. Right. You got to wait three months to actually see anything. Yeah, you get your deposit money, you get your permit money, which that wasn't a week's paycheck for me. And that was over, you know, three months, you know, time frame. So but it's again, it's just all it's just funny how it all plays out. So the all of that was the worst time of my life. Like the divorce was ready to happen and she was gone. And then, you know, now I'm getting my teeth kicked in and I don't really have money coming in and the savings is dwindling down. And like that was that December, if I'm not mistaken, December, maybe January was like, dude, I had hit absolute rock bottom. He could even tell you, because I think if I'm not mistaken, you tell me, did you have Jill come down and talk to me and ride with me because you knew my mentality was like yeah, done? Of course. Dude, yeah. I mean, I was Bro, literally I knew it. moping. I saw it with fucking people on my sales team. I already had seen people like fail and start to fail and I knew what it was like. And then obviously I'm living with you and I'm like, no, I know all the stuff you're going through at the time. And I'm like, Jill, you got to come talk to my dad because he ain't going to listen to me. Uh-huh. You know, and I can't fucking tell him what to do. So I had to have my my regional or my sales director come down and talk to you. But yes, I think I remember it was like when I was just getting into sales and we had a meeting because the cancellation rate was so high. Yeah, yeah. yeah the highest I cancellation didn't know you rate that, in plug well, PV history. We had the highest cancellation rate, our team. And you were in the meeting going, it's me. It's all me. No. <laughs> You're like, it's their all it's no. because of me. <laughs> if you remember, Jill said, I, he said something like, I want to congratulate Glenn or I want to give him like he he's getting a prize or something. And it was for having the highest cancellation rate ever in plug B. So it was like a, like he set it up like it was something. And then it was like a hard dig at me. Oh yeah. Like right in a meeting. And I went, yep, my fucking fault. Like I'll fix it. Yeah, Maybe that's how it went. That's exactly how it went. And I don't know what I said, but I said something where, well, I remember accepted that it was my fault and Hey, I'm going to change it somehow. I remember after that quarterly meeting, we went to the lowest cancellation rate of any solar company. Correct. Like a a quarter later. Right. Because we all focused up on it and fucking fixed it. Well, we also saw it. So when you see it and it becomes apparent, now you start, you know, tracking, you can improve it. Right. You guess finding ways to improve it. But anyway, that was really, truly like, I'm a pretty happy guy and, you know, I can keep my focus and I can keep my, you know, moral morale up but I had gotten to the point too where I just, I couldn't get out of my world. I was so miserable, man. I could not see the light at the end of the tunnel. You were on the solar coaster. Oh God, it was so bad. So anyway, like just to add like everything piled on and it's the middle of the winter and I can't sell anything and I just got divorced. And like you couldn't have thrown more shit at one human being. Like I was two steps from fucking jumping off the bridge. I heard two years ago you had long hair. And it all fell out. <laughs> no, no, that was way before that. I didn't, when I started having kids and working in a car business, that's when that all went. Yeah, bro, I got <laughs> the grays and all my shit coming in from and you. Yeah, and part of it was hereditary, jeans. yeah. So anyway. Yeah, and I started I, running a sales team, so. I, the, that day, Jill, like, I've, I've got emotional about it before when I talked about it, but that day, Jill came down and sat with me. Like, we didn't even do anything at that point. We met at 7-Eleven on Hooker Avenue, I got in his car and he just sat there and talked to me for 10 minutes and I'm 
The guy, everybody knows he's a fucking genius. Like, genius. He just said the right words to me and shared a story with me that I cannot repeat to this day. And he swore to me that, you know, I swore to him that I wouldn't because he wanted me to. But it set the um, the tone for me. Like, it just flipped my switch where mm. I just realized, like, you know, he's fucking right. Just get out there, hammer it, change your personality, change what you're doing. And you can do this and just, like, stop being miserable and just go find a way to do it. And as the story goes... He just said, simplify it. Just go up and ask people if you want to hear about soul or whatever. He pulled out. He literally went 10 houses down. He goes, that's a great house. I still remember the girl's name. I still remember the girl's house. Um, I got out, walked up to the door, knocked on the door, blah, blah, blah. Walked back in the car 10 seconds later and Jill goes, oh, she didn't want it. I go, no, I got an appointment tomorrow. Yeah. It's always magic with Jill. And it was like. Fucking magic. Like literally like that. I had the same thing with Jill. And from that day forward, I just slowly every day I got a little better. I got one more deal. Got a little more confident. It's just same thing happened. I went on a two-month rut and I was miserable. New in sales. I had probably three sales under my belt and I couldn't I couldn't even talk to people at the door. I wanted to kill everyone. I fucking hated it. And Jill's like, "What the fuck's wrong with you? You were the happiest person ever before you started, <laughs> right? And now you're a miserable prick. Like this can't happen." He took me into Kingston. We knocked for like two hours, and I don't know what the fuck he did. I think Bro, it's he's just magic. his big smile. He's magic. He's like fucking Santa Claus, dude. He has this thing where he really just knows how to dig into somebody's deepest, darkest part of their psyche and just, just flip the switch, fucking yeah. fix it. It was crazy. How much harder was it to learn solar than to start selling solar and start selling oh, cars? Oh, God, yeah. Just worlds, universes different. Like What, solar's harder or cars? Oh, solar by far. Really? Cars, I, I almost picked up immediately. Listen, three, no, I'm sorry. Good thing I never Six sold Six or seven else. months into the business, I had outsold a guy that was the legend at Hudson Cadillac, Frank Lomangino. We walked in that Saturday morning meeting and up on the board was GD. Everything was always initials. And it was like one more car than his. I don't remember the numbers. I, I actually used to keep them all. I think I finally threw them away. I might have it upstairs still. Um, but like the meeting was like different. Like, first of all, I'm sitting in the back of the meeting like, yeah, motherfuckers, <laughs> who's a man now? Yeah. But like Frank ended up quitting. He went on a cocaine fucking drinking binge and two months later he was out of the business. He ruined his life. So like wow. literally like that's, no shit. think about that. When you're a guy that's, he's like the man and then you come in and just fucking kick him off his stool. It's, it changes people. So Damn. from that day on, that was it. Quick break. Can I tinkle? I got to take a pee-pee break. It was <laughs> great. How was your pee? Good pee? Oh. Ten Dude, my pee is always a struggle. Really? <laughs> I got the old man pee. Is that? I don't understand what that's like. Yeah, well, you might someday. And trust me. I hope fun. you do someday. I think I'm going to have the opposite. I think I'll piss myself when I'm older. <laughs> I got a bad habit of sharting already. Do you really? I just trust. I'm a little too trustworthy with my butthole. <laughs> I just let that guy fly all the time. And sometimes he's like, gotcha, bitch. 
<laughs> Go change your underpants and walk in shame. Your underpants. I haven't heard that one in a while. Yeah, that's how my asshole talks. Go change your underpants. He's a real, he's a real asshole. <laughs> Tony, when's the last time you had to change your underwear because you shit yourself? Uh, it couldn't have been three weeks ago. Stop <laughs> yeah. it. Dude, never. What, what? the fuck? Yeah. That's it's always issue. after a weekend of drinking alcohol, and I'll be driving, having a great day, and I'm like, ooh, I got a fart. <laughs> oh! And then I got to go home. I don't feel so bad about my what bladder in the issue world, anymore, bro? That, don't worry. Yeah. You're a sick animal. You'll be 31 once. You're a sick animal. Listen, People, that's dude. normal for you to turn 30 and shit yourself? I don't, Bryce, have you ever not, shit yourself? Wait a second. No. Let's make this clear. It's not like shitting no, yourself. It's shit. You just What is you on just your underwear? Fart. What is on your underwear? A lot of times it doesn't even breach the crack. It just breaks the hole. So you know, you get in the bathroom, you this assess. This is a strange conversation. You never shit yourself? Welcome to Tudor's oh, Dude Ice Stone. Yeah, it's in my lifetime, I'm sure it's happened once or twice. Yes. Well, I got nice thicky cheeks. But not like it's so a it, common occurrence. It holds I mean, everybody it. had once. Make or my twice. way to the bathroom. I assess. Sometimes I don't even have to change my undies. Tony, you, sometimes you change Gigi, then you change yourself too, right? <laughs> One moment, baby. Daddy's going to change his diaper first. As long as I'm not changing my boxes as much as I'm changing her, I'm good. You're good to go. Hold on, Tony. How, uh, how often do you shit and it's diarrhea? Very rarely. Uh, I, I don't really have diarrhea. Guy, so I you know those people who shit diarrhea every yes, day? Yes. I take yeah. super Liquid shits all the healthy, time. fibrous turdies. Fiber. Sometimes oh. I do the no wiper. I'm so proud of myself. What? Oh, gotta love it when you wipe. I call that all out. business, no yes. paperwork. That's like a win. <laughs> That's a win. <laughs> all business, no paperwork. Zach, tell him about Tony's right. bathroom habits. Oh, you mean my bidet? Just oh, you mean that I got to go tinkle and take a poopy all the time? Yeah. Yeah, there's yeah, something hyperactive go. about my bowels. If I'm not pissing or shitting, I ain't breathing. Once in the morning. It's a, what? It's Tony. Like steady Eddie. Once a morning. You just poop once a morning? <laughs> yeah, I know. It's crazy, right? I poop twice a morning. <laughs> <laughs> then I do my pre-poop lunch, my pre-lunch poop, <laughs> after lunch poop. I operate on what's called displacement. I want to see I this on, in a, here on a short on Instagram. <laughs> Always. If I put in, it comes out. I drink, I piss, I eat, I shit. Wow. Well, you That's have a very efficient. active. Yeah. If I breathe too hard, I fart immediately. <gasps> Sometimes I shart. <laughs> This is life, guys. All right. Um, so wait, I have a good back. I have a good story about sales, actually. I wanted to say it before we got caught up with something. So the mentality of people is really insane. My best customer, by far, guy bought probably it was probably a 19-year run, because I met him very early in my career. And he probably bought a car almost every year. So wow. He was in the 15 to 18 range in terms of cars he bought between him and his wife. Trucks for him and whatever else for his wife at the time. So it was not long before I had left uh, the dealership and we were having a conversation either face-to-face -face or on the phone. I don't remember. And he still said to me that far in our relationship, like, like you're just a car salesman. And just I thought, like, a car salesman? Do you really think after this entire time of our relationship that I'm like lying to you this whole time? Like not just one or two, but the entire relationship, I just completely lied to you every time we 
spoke and I opened my mouth. Like, that's what people think, man. That's like, think crazy. about that. Said, wait, wait, wait. What was the, co- give us some context of that. I don't remember just, like, what said it to you, was. You're just a just, car salesman? Yeah, like, like, like whatever I was saying, he literally didn't believe to the point where he thought I was like lying to him. Like, I'm like, dude, you don't know me Why by now? Like, I don't fucking lie to anybody. There's like, a major stigma about? around these car Monster. salesmen. Monster. Like, you have no idea until you've like experienced that and i feel like it makes car salesmen want to do it because it's like you keep fucking telling me good i will fuck you over now yeah well (laughs) well you couldn't even if you wanted to you can't just up the price on a vehicle i mean he was a good customer in a sense that he didn't argue with me and he always let me make money which is fair that's how everybody should be like i'm just here to make a living and pay my bills just like you are like i don't come into your house and tell you how much your paycheck should be yeah, yeah. right you know, you i don't know? Ne- i don't negotiate shit because of that now right i swear it's because i always heard you saying it when i was younger and i never negotiate now ever i don't a- i don't fucking ask for shit from anybody i'm like okay what cool. can you buy that you are supposed to negotiate i don't know i went and bought a fucking quad when i went and bought the quad he said whatever 9800 i said okay i didn't even ask for a better price i didn't ask for when I bought the M3. Yeah, I almost think thing. it's like disrespectful. Like I might ask for, but I'm not like going to sit there and call you 25 times and ha- hammer you for, you know, 50 cents. Like uh, it's pitiful. Like yeah. I, I feel like I'm the jerk for even doing it. Like it's. No, it's, I get that. I've never, if I see a price and I don't want it for that price, I'm not going to haggle Like you, you walk away. I'm just yeah. not going to buy it. Buy it mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Like when people, I, I always, you know, I went to a fucking ton of cars. Like I had, I remember, always remember my M5. That I had, and I had it for sale, and I had it for twelve five, which was super reasonable. Some guy came and saw it, and he like picked it apart, and he goes, he's like, "Well, there's this and this and this and this," and I go, "That's why it's twelve five. That's right. Like price. Do you want it or not? Right. And he kept trying to talk me down. I'm like, dude, nothing you say is going to change the price. Do you want it or not? Right. Like go now. Right. Bye. He said, and he keeps telling me all the things that are wrong with it. I'm like, yeah, it's a used car. Right. That's why it's 12.5. Yeah, <laughs> you want it or not? It's funny. The guy that came in with the absolute garbage can of a car will sit there and say, oh, this has got a little ding on the door. Yeah. Like, a little scratch in the front. Uh, you did use this like, as well? Dude, you came in mm. with a literal garbage can. Like, you have garbage in the back of your car. Uh, yeah. <laughs> why? What are you kidding me? Like, the garbage man in his garbage can. Mm, I clean. forgot that that was funny. GMC and. Uh, Buick as well. You were selling Cadillac, GMC. Buick, GMC yeah. You were selling Buicks and GMCs. It, it was kind of cool the way, because dealerships do it, like use guys just to use cars, new guys just do new cars type of thing. But they had two things that was pretty unique. They had an open floor, so there wasn't an up system because a lot of people like, you know. To be fair, it's it's you go down a list. Glenn's next, then Mike's next, and then Sam's next, and then Cliff's next, and then you know so on and so forth. And even with that, they you were outselling everyone. But they had an open floor, so I could take as many clients as I wanted. If somebody was out in a no, dude, I'm telling you, you, I'd watch the person and I'd look around the showroom, and people would just like the sales would just look at them and like, yeah, like ignoring. A, there's a customer over there. You don't want to go. Okay, good. I'll go talk to him. See ya. Yeah. You know, like I almost wanted to be fair. Like I don't want to be the guy running out, taking everybody, but then you look around and four people like Shelly disappear. And was, run her to name, was her name oh, Shelly? She's, she's a meatball. Is that the lady you were talking about? It's something like that. Yeah. Shelly. Yeah. Like, I met her. 
I mean, I've only met Why'd him you? twice, so I don't know. You went, in I there? went there. That's oh. where I took. He was going to buy oh, the that's Escalade bought... first. Ah, that's, that's where you bought your Cadillac. To get in there. Where did you eventually ah. get the XT6? From where? From my uncle. He oh, just, gotcha. We went to Cadillac. Better way to do it anyway. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, I crushed it. I got that thing for so such a good price. Yep. All You're right, paying man. for everything at the dealership. You're paying for the. They put $1,500 in service. They put a warranty on it, you know, certified whole nine yards. So you're just paying for all that. If you listen, if it's a decent car, change the oil, give it to me. When I need to do the brakes, I'll do the brakes. I'll do the tires. I'll do whatever. Like it's all right. Fuck the cars. I'm done with it. I don't want to talk about cars anymore. Um, (laughs) Bye bye. You got in a car, you got in a solar, you, you matched how much you made in cars in over 20 years, the most you ever made, you did that your first year in solar? Yeah, pretty much within like 10 grand. Yeah. How much did you do? Well, you don't have to say the number, but second year, did it double? Oh, tripled. Tripled. Wow. Second year until you tripled what you did in 21 years yep. in the car business. Yep. Wow. Yep. It's It was kind of funny because the first couple of years, I like notched up. You know, I went to 50 and I went to 75, then I went to 90 and then I went over a hundred and I'm like, man, this is the shit. And I kind of stayed plateau right there in that, you know, 110 to 120, 130 range for like 15 years straight. And it just never, never went above that. So it's like, you almost can. It's and two years into a brand new fucking product. You made triple that triple that. Yep. yep. Mm, I got Great a tip industry. for everyone. Go sell solar panels. That's right. Do you miss Cadillac? (laughs) Wow. What a world of difference, honestly. Everything about it. You should go there. Explain to me, what is life like now? Yeah, I mean, like, fun. (laughs) It's like, as much as there is stress, there's so much flexibility. I think you're starting to grow your hair back, actually. Yeah, I wish. (laughs) Yeah, that's funny. You should go buy a CT4 Blackwing cash. Drop it off. At the dealership? Yeah. I'll, I'll fucking split walk it in. with you. We'll go walk in and drop yeah, but the bag. Wait, I am never giving them a penny of Use my money. Use your own login and sell it I would it go buy yourself. from somebody else and then drive it there and go. For service. Yeah. <laughs> Bring it in for a free oil no, change. No, I just, I just drive it there, get out, go in and bullshit with the guys like I always do. And they'd be like, oh, there's a Cadillac CT5. Right, we're pulling up in a oh, Lambo you do in stop a year by or so. Over there? Oh, I still talk to the guys. Yes. Listen, interestingly enough. I'm still waiting for the moment when I can capture Matt and Mike in the showroom and just fucking run up and down one. one Why, what are they Imagine when you, you get there? Him, you walk in and you see him and you just one more time you go, hey guys, fuck, fuck you. you. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm going to give him like a, I've already got it all worked out, a full speech. Oh, like, yeah, yeah they're going to, they're going to hear it from so me. Wait, That's going to be my last final think? rub. When you go in there, you make sure they're not there. You well, go no, I don't give a fuck if they're there or not. I just oh. go in there like I still own the place. Oh, but okay, okay, okay. They, Mike is usually never there or he isn't in the showroom or if Matt's there, he's not in the showroom or if he does, he just walks right fucking by. And like, I'm not saying hi to you. Don't say hi to me. And like, I think twice in all the time I went back, he said hi to me. And I just went, yeah. You got to imagine their sales suffered once you left. Well, they, they, there's no doubt they lost the clientele, but they didn't feel it because COVID came along. And now it wasn't COVID. You could sell 50 cars. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. They could sell 50 cars instead of a hundred cars and still make twice the amount of money. When you left, dude, listen, I care so little about what happens anymore. Like I don't wish anything bad on them. In that sense, like, I hope everybody there, all my friends do good and everything survives. But, like, I, I don't wish them bad. It's right. just, 
I moved on. Like, I'm just so happy I'm not there anymore that I don't, I just don't care. So what is the difference is, what does your schedule look like? What do you do uh, on a daily basis now? Yeah, so again, it's your you're your own subcontractor, you're your own employee, your own tender. Give me the hours. hours. What so, did you used to work at car sales? Where do you work now? 60 hours a week, and now I'm down to 30 maybe. You know, yeah. I mean. Half a lot the hours, of running triple around. the money. Yeah, yeah, here's I mean, your dad's day. He wakes up, he takes his one shit a day. He goes, <laughs> he plays fucking eight holes. No, grabs nine holes. lunch. I run. Nine holes. I, I run, nothing I run about first golf. thing. I sit in my bed for about half an hour, 45 minutes, drink my coffee. Then I go out for my run. Then I do my after run thought for the day. If I got something good, then I go inside. If there's meetings, I got to get to the meetings. If not, you know, I do some work on a computer, read a book, you know, whatever. I'd, I'm not normally out of the house until, unless I have an appointment until noon. And then, you know, a couple of days a week, I do some knocking. The rest of the time I'm running appointments or if I want to go on vacation, I go on vacation. If I want to take three days off, I take three days off. I, you know, I mean, I was in Florida virtually the entire winter. I was, you know, working and trying to build a team, but like I was in Florida, yeah. <laughs> like not in Poughkeepsie, not getting snowed on, not growing the best job in the waking world. up. Oh, just, there's not even close. Like, and you listen, we talk about it all the time, right? We're in our meetings. We tell kids like he has no idea. Like he's, obviously very fortunate, but just like everybody else, like you don't even know how good this job really is. Mm. You need to, you need to work at the shitty job to know how good a good job really is or a great job oh, and how great, it. a great job. I is. tell Zach all the time. I've never worked a job at, uh, at like a big business. I've always worked for family owned businesses. Yep. And that's where you get work to the fucking bone. Yep. They're like, Oh, we love you as family. Now work until you die. Yeah. Every and job. Those was. are the, all the jobs I've always had. And it's always been 60 hours a week. Like work your fucking ass off. And then to go from all of that to this is like, oh my God. I'm almost bored. Listen, I'll tell you, I'll tell you guys though, which is completely fair. I didn't like I had fucking jobs. I got into soul when I was 19. So I had all the jobs before. Overlook Golf Center. I was a lot boy at Cadillac. Uh I was maintenance yep. guy. I did all like the shitty jobs that you do at 18. I was a server bartender, which was trash but you make good money at a young age but you know bartending you go in at five o'clock you don't leave till three in the morning two in the morning which is trash but i will tell you when i got in solar i worked 60 hours a week for the first you probably had to yeah, yeah. i worked 60 hours a week for the first year and a half at least maybe two years three years now i still i work now more i work more now than i did even when i started right now yeah. i'm usually at the office from fucking uh, today 8 a.m it's 8 30 p.m and i haven't left yeah, yeah. it's almost you nine o'clock yeah. so i work pretty goddamn hard still but it's so fun like right i don't ever feel like i'm working right you know and yeah, the door knocking facts. in the beginning sucked but i fucking love the door knocking like when i'm 19 years old 20 years old and i was making the money i love door knocking and like i always knew that i had to earn this and what i wanted to do that i had to go earn it through door knocking like i embraced the suck of door knocking because i was excited because i'd be able to talk about it later on in life correct of like I went through the suck of knocking on doors for fucking two years straight. You know, you, you so, knew and appreciated what correct. you actually had handed to you I, when most people would just, I'm like, not understand door knocking is incredible. This is fucking great. Like all I have to do is handle some rejection and I can make this money. Uh -huh. Like this isn't hard, you know? Um, yep. Yep. but in the beginning I fucking, we, I fucking worked a lot of fucking hours knocking on doors. I knocked on a lot of doors and I, there was the same thing. I used to get home at eight, nine o'clock at night from knocking on doors and I moved out at 18. So 
I, rem- I, was, I remember I I'd, I'd like say to you, like, what are you doing? I'm knocking doors. I knock mm-hmm. doors every day. That's what I do. Like literally, what are you doing today? Knocking doors. What are you doing today? And that was before anyone was knocking doors over here. Nobody knew about knocking on doors back when I started in New York. (laughs) There was no other solar companies in New York. There was two in all of New York that were trying to sell solar. And none of them were doing door to door. Damn. When Jill started this team here, it was like nobody did door to door. That's crazy. Yeah, it's nuts. But the funny story, which isn't me, but I'll tell you, Jill, when he was finishing up his role at Solar City, they were getting away from, they were getting away and they hand, or sorry, they handed him leads to, they handed him a stack of, you know, 250 qualified leads. And in front of the entire group of people, everyone was so excited. They were cheering because they never had got handed leads like that. He walked over to the garbage can, threw it in the garbage. The whole room went silent. He said, I won't take a single one of your fucking leads and I'll sell more deals than every fucking one of you. And he went out and he sold like 42 deals that month knocking on doors. And crushed everyone on the team. <laughs> and then Jill did 42 guys. Yo, back in the legend. day, bro. Back He's in the day, legend. nobody knew about solar. And it was so new that everyone wanted to talk to you. If they opened the door and you said solar, yeah. everyone would say, yeah, come in. Tell me more about it. That's crazy. Everybody. So it was it so much different. It didn't have the stigmatism, you know? You know like it was too early. Like that? eight years ago. Right. But everyone oh was making gosh. dirt on deals. You wouldn't make shit on any deals. So you had to sell 40 a month yeah. to make They were money. making way less. They were selling 50 a month and making a third of what we're making now, oh. a fourth. But back then, they didn't really know any better. Um, but yeah, dude, I mean, shit changes a lot when you got into solar. So um, now you're living... Ha- Go ahead. But funny thing is, now that you were saying that, listen, up until that point, I all my life, like when I drove tow trucks, dude, we worked nonstop all the time, mm-hmm. middle of the night rainy days, snowy days, sunny days. It didn't matter. We worked like crazy. And then even when I got into the the painting business, which was like, you know, more or less a nine to five, you know, eight to four or whatever, you know, I had to go sling pizzas at night as a second job, you know, to keep, you know, to keep afloat because, you know, you had to hustle to make your money. So, you know, then it was right to car sales, which was just as bad or worse. Um, you know, working holidays, working Saturdays, working, you know, late at night. See, because retail just sucks. It's not It's not like you could go in the morning and work at seven and then knock off by four and go home. Like you're working from eight to eight. It's you working when people are awake and shopping. Mm-hmm. So, you know, what, just this business is just so. The best thing in the fucking oh, world. God, it's not even close. Like people, like we can't even explain it to people and and you can't feel the experience unless you've really they don't understand done this. it there's mm-hmm. no possible way you could put the words into the right category to have somebody truly grasp what you're what you what give you me a, feel and go through on this, a daily basis give me a one to ten on your first six months in solar how are you feeling one uh, being you wanted to die ten being it was the greatest day negative of your life. three give me a one to ten on now oh 12 <laughs> All right, sir. So listen, we're going to set up a site survey. That's the next step in the process. Yeah. <laughs> um, it really is like it's hard to put in perspective because when you have the right combination of everything put together, it's it's like almost like perfection. Like you're you're actually doing the client a favor. You feel like you're you know, you justified your existence by 
by like doing something truly meaningful. Plus you get the pleasure of being your own boss and making really good money. Like it, it, it's like, it's the perfect, like the perfect storm. Yes. It really the perfect is. storm. So, and, and to top it all off, like the, um, the, like knocking on a door, creating something out of nothing, like feeling the, the accomplishment of that is, Yo, I like swear to God, it's primal. better, yes. It's, it's primal. It's yes. like going out and finding food. Correct. But you're literally finding food. Like you're finding money, creating it out of thin air to buy your resources to live life. Correct. It's the most fucking primal way of life that you can live now. Correct. So we, you, you've heard me talk about this, right? People look at money the wrong way, right? Money isn't money like papers or presidents. It's value. Like it's the more value you bring to the world, the more value you receive back by, by, you know, creating that or, 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 uh, what's the word? Um, um, uh, not creating, but, um, oh, I can't come up with it. Anyway, the point being is like, you feel so good about it because you're genuinely bringing value, value yeah. to a client, to yourself, to the company, to, the world in general. We're so providing it's like people with such of thousands of dollars of energy right. at a hugely discounted price. price. and Hugely discounted. And you actually own it as opposed, like you're tipping the scales. You're going from the worst possible proposition to the best possible proposition. Right. Like it's- If we sold solar- Reversing the axis of the earth. If we sold it at our floor price for the amount- a little bit less than what they would actually pay over a 25 year term. Uh -huh. Do you know how fucking big the commission checks would be? Yeah. Crazy. If we put escalators somehow that ended up being right. interest that right. would pay us over time, right. the amount of fucking money we save people, if that was put into our pockets, I don't have to sell one fucking deal. That's why utility companies are fucking make billions of dollars in profit. I know. I know. Well, listen, I, I I say it all the time too, and I don't know if you guys ever heard me, but like, I get up in the morning and I think about, it and I, or even when you're at a client's house or whatever, you're going like, "Why am I working this hard to actually help you get in a better position? Yeah. Like, why is why do I have to sit here and try to convince you? I don't get that, ever. right? Because it's I don't like get it. the psychology of them being stuck in what, what they've, they have, yeah. like like learned like abuse and I'm trying to take you out of it. And you're right. like, no, 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 no. I'd, I'd rather be abused. Like, just leave he me alone me and let things. me. Right. <laughs> How do you like that? Wait, I mean, I'm putting you in such a better position and you're justifying a way that you it's should unreal. stay where you are. It's unreal. Like it's, it blows my people, mind. That's how people are though. in everything. Yeah. I mean, it's fucking the way they buy cars, the way the school system is, the way it's, it's integrated to, into yeah. their psychology and into yeah. their, you know, way of thinking. It's, 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 it's bonkers. That's what it is. So right, let's, Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I was going to say it's Zach's life story time. My life story time. Yeah. From, from when I was born in Poughkeepsie. Yeah. <laughs> no, I was going to say, let's talk about the, uh, the college contract. And then, oh, yeah, 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 that's yeah, such yeah, a yeah. good one. I need then, to find that. And then what it's like to uh, see your son do so well at I such a young age. I love that story. And I'll talk about what it's like to manage my father and how hard it was in the beginning. Um, 
Yeah, so for those that don't know, I, at 19 years old, was in college, going to a community college in Poughkeepsie, and uh, I was fucking tired of college. I didn't want to go. It was my second semester, and I made a contract that said if I was on track to make $100,000 in the next 12 months, I'd go back to school, or sorry, if I didn't make that, then I'd go back to school and finish my four-year degree, but if I did, you have to give me at least 12 months to try to figure this thing out. So I went upstairs, I got dressed in a suit, made the contract, went upstairs, made my dad sign it. He was like, well, this is a win-win. Either my son makes a hundred grand yep. or he goes and pays for his own college. I so, can remember looking at it and going, you know, I can't lose here, right? Listen. That's funny. That's you signed call. it? Of course. And then where'd we keep it? Where did we keep it? We're still trying to figure out. I had it somewhere. Bro. Yeah, we're still trying to find it. Uh, we're not sure where it is, but anyway, I had him sign it. And then uh, I started looking for shit. I, I dropped out of college. So I started doing ACN, which is like an MLM company. Yep. Then uh, I started selling door-to-door solar farms. It's like a subscription to solar farms. I didn't know you were doing solar farms. Yeah, I did that for like four months. I have a video of me screaming at the top of my lungs the first day I did three sales in a day there. And I was screaming. I'm like, I made fucking $900 today. I'm fucking lit. And I'm screaming. (laughs) 19 years old, bugging out in the car, (laughs) driving home. Uh, And then um, I bought Master Networks in in Connecticut. I I bought the Connecticut region of Master Networks, which is like a, a networking organization. Bought that. My business partner, two weeks after I bought it with him, he dissolved the other side of the partnership and i had to buy him out of that llc because the guy that uh the guy at master networks didn't like your partner mm-hmm. he liked you better and he was like i want you to run it correct so they they phased him out i had to buy him out cost me twenty five thousand dollars at fucking 19 all the money i had and then a year later i sold that company back to the business because it was like a franchise model i sold that company back for five grand so i had uh. bought it Spent all the money trying to build it. Drove the bro. I used to drive to Connecticut at four yep. thirty in the morning. Yep. Sleeping like this at the wheel. Wake <laughs> up, wake up, and be in Connecticut. I'm like, how the fuck did I get to Connecticut? Mm. I don't even know what I'm supposed to do. I was 19 years old, running meetings with 50 year old people. Um, meetings about what? I don't even fucking understand. You know, you don't know BNI network is. I just I hear it all the time. What the fuck are you guys doing? So it's the, bro. It's almost the same shit. They would every week would be a different thing. So one week it'd be story. I would come up and everyone would listen to me for 30 minutes, try to sell people on solar. So I would tell you why solar is a good idea and why you can, why you should go share referral partners and why you should spread the soul, my business. And when you're working with your clients so you as a realtor, a and then a real estate guy would network? do the same Correct. thing. Exactly. Oh, it's and then a carpenter yeah. and then a but roofing guy. A and then a, like so we would all pay guy. for a membership to be in there. And then your job was always to get leads for those other people in that group. So like you would only and, work with that roofer. You'd only work with that insurance agent. Oh, you follow so me? So you pay the membership. Who's pocketing the money for the membership? Master Networks. So I, I bought each person paid fifty bucks a month. I got sixteen dollars. Master Networks got the other money. And then what happens is too sixteen dollars a month. You're sharing business ideas with each other to hopefully he improves his sales, maybe by marketing somehow different, Bro, or maybe I was you know, driving whatever. there. I was driving to Connecticut three days a week, making four hundred and twenty. $50 a month for a, a year. Fucking hoax. Yeah. And then I sold it back to the company and fucking started selling solar. So I started selling solar in the midst of master networks, like right in the beginning. I actually did them both at the same time. 
because I was doing the solar farm, bought Master Networks, and then started solar, plug PV solar in that mix, um, which you've probably heard the story on that. But I saw somebody sitting at a meeting when I was still with ACN, and they he was doing a spreadsheet of his paychecks on the Excel spreadsheet. And I was like, yo, what the fuck are those numbers? He's like, those are my paychecks for the month. And I said, I'm done with this meeting. I need to work for you. And then sure as shit, I started working for him. A few weeks later, he got a DWI and I took over his position. And that was the end of that. And then I started selling Plug PV. And that was 12 months exactly. I dropped out of college in April. Exactly 12 months later, April is when I sold my first deal at Plug PV. And then... I told my dad, I don't even, I don't even think we talked about it again. Cause I'm like, fuck you. I started selling solar. You don't got to well, tell me shit. Well, listen, <laughs> I, you could see that he was doing it. He was doing whatever he could oh, to find a way to make money. Period. A so week, a week after he was I, hustling. Oh, fucking week after I, uh, uh, um, dropped out of college. I met with my old business partner for ACN. He first hired me in ACN a week after I dropped out of college. Two weeks later after that, we went to 10X Growth Conference, Grant Cardone 10X Growth Conference with this guy I'd never met who was fucking as old as my dad. And he was like, I got an extra ticket to Grant Cardone Growth Conference. You want to go? Bet. Let's do Fuck it. Fuck yeah. Went down there. They, I would fucking read books every night and I'd never left my house and I just turned it's, into a geek. Listen, like it, a year. It, it wasn't even that he was successful right off the bat. It was that he made up his mind to like, because I still remember, I, I tell this story all the time too. Like when he walked upstairs, you know, dressed to the nines, I was like, who are you? And what did you do with my son? Cause he's like, it was like a flip of a switch. He literally yeah. just changed overnight. And even though like the money may not have been there immediately, you could see that he was on his path to find a way to make a career some way, somehow and make his money. So like, I didn't, I knew it was going to work out somehow, some way he was just, he was finding his way. And then I met Jill Sutherland. He told me to knock on 50 doors a day. So I knocked on 51 every day for a year and a half straight. And uh, now here we are. So to tell the, the part with my dad in it, when my dad started selling solar at Plug PV, it was the weirdest thing in the world. I don't know if there's a way to even express how to manage your dad like, cause when you started, I was already the manager. So I had to train you uh-huh. when you didn't do things right. I had to like tell you, Hey dad, you don't do that. Then when you do stupid shit, I had to be like reprimand my dad. I'm like, Jill, call my dad and tell him he can't do that. Cause I can't <laughs> tell him he can't do that. And, and, then, and, and I then was a stick-headed Italian yeah. too. Like, I'm just one of those people. Like yeah. I fucking know. Don't tell me. And he's in That's sales funny, for 20 years. I never saw that at all. And I never thought it would be that way. Bro, and he's Can in sales think? for 20 years, and yeah. I'm the guy like, Dad, no, you can't sell like that. He's like, listen, don't. I know what the fuck I'm doing. I'm like, all right, and I literally had to say, I have to let my dad fall on his face and fail so he'll listen to me. And then I'm think right. of how hard of yeah. it was for him to see that, too. Yeah. Correct. Like, Jesus. I know he's going in the, like he said before, the darkest days of his life, and I'm like, I got to let him go through it because if not, he's not going to listen to me and let me explain to him the right way to we sell solar. love to learn the and hard way. And it also way. fixes you. Like, yeah. that's, you know, w- when you hire these guys and we know it now, like we've all done it now, you just go like, exactly you got to let them, right. You got to let them do it. And then you got to let them come to you and go, all right, help me. You know, you got to let yeah, them get yeah. to the point where they oh, finally figured out. Oh, you know fuck, a better you, way to find leads you should than tell me. Yeah. Yes. Let me know how it works out. <laughs> I'm not going to tell you anymore. You tell yeah, me. Yeah, yeah. No, tell me how it works out. I'm listening. 
You're going to start a Facebook group? My ears oh, are open. Sounds good. So managing and hiring and, and, and training my dad was extremely weird. And also because it was so hard for him in the beginning and he had already been doing sales for 20 years. I had only been doing sales for a year and a half, but I was like the number fucking two guy in the company at the time or number three guy in the company, something like that. Um, Glenn, do you think Zach is really good at sales? Yeah, absolutely. You know, Why? it's like, it's like anything. It's just, well, listen for one Why thing, Zach? personality is one thing right off the bat. Like you just have to be able to interact with people. If you, if you can't talk and you can't make people feel comfortable and you can't make them laugh, forget it. Like it's over. And anybody could learn that, so to speak. But if you have the personality, well, you're a lot farther ahead than most people. Don't you think he gets it from you a little bit? Come well, on. I hope so. I would think juice. so. It's 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 sort of hereditary. It's you know most of the people in my family are like that. But not only that, like listen, he has he has something that a lot of people in general don't have, let alone, you know, teenagers. Um he kind of has that manifesting, you know, tool in his mind where like he just believes it and does it and finds a way to figure it out, which is really the essence of sales in general. Like, mm-hmm. you know, you just, you can't, you can't not be confident and be successful. You have to be confident to be successful. You have to have a personality to be successful. And then you have to be smart enough to like look inside and go, all right, what else do I need to do? How can I do it better? Like, what can I do next time? What analyzing? Yeah. Right. So a lot of that probably comes from his sports background. Now, can you tell us a little bit, shed a little bit of insight on Zach growing up, but not the sports part. What was Zach like as a kid? Um, it was always sports. <laughs> that's that's kind of hard to detect. Yeah. So, but no, it's, it's, yeah, that one's that one's kind of tough because I always saw him like in school. Maybe what was that? As like? an, well, listen, mediocre at best, like I was. You know what I mean? It was like really the only mediocre at best, right? I mean, <laughs> I was on a roll. I cheated my whole way through that shit. Yeah. Listen, and I'll be brutally honest because literally that's how I just got through school by getting. 75 and 80s. I, mm-hmm. I, I was smart enough to just listen and know how to take the test and kind of do some of my homework. And, you know, you're just, you're just sliding by. You're not. So what'd you think Zach was destined for then as a kid? What were you thinking for his life? Oh God. You know, I wasn't really like <laughs> seriously, because you, it, the, the thing that a parent kind of has in the back of their head as they're raising a kid like you want them to be crazy successful like he is now, but you know, the chances are low. So like, I want him to have as good as a life as I have and maybe a little better. So trust me, you, there's probably very few parents that would say, I you hate, know, my son is going to be a millionaire and really believe that I like everybody wants him how to much be. I think about that. Right. Like, I want my daughter to be the best person in the world, but I know good and well there's a ninety percent chance she's gonna be a fucking flop. Well, yes, yeah, so, <laughs> not even a fucking not flop. even a right. We know they are, but I'm just. Do you think about it? If you can go out and make a living and have your own apartment and have your own car, like you're a fucking good citizen, right? <laughs> you know what I mean. So, right. like I that's want the to answer that. to your I question. Want her really, to be like yeah, like us, yeah, like. 
hardworking, ever improving. Like, I think she will be. What'd you think in middle school but when I'm getting suspended and fucking being an asshole and hanging out with the wrong you're, crowd? You're a kid. It's it happened all. So you didn't think you anything just, different. Exactly no, where you're supposed. No, we right. It's uh, they all go through. Like what? you, you know, Talking your to mom took a lot of things way too seriously. Yeah, and you know, it's just one of those things where you like. Like some of the times in during a conversation, I would just go like we were did exactly the same thing. Yeah. Like, why do you think he's like, why are you taking it so serial? And you think serious and you think he's such a problem or she's such a problem. Like mm. it's just shit that teenagers go through, you know, when you're a parent and you know, your past, you just go, okay, it's fine. Like I'm not, you know, the kid's not shooting arrow and up as, you know, veins. You know. What was Christmas like in your house? Oh, we mm. always got a, they always got a ton of My shit. My mom was a spender. Yeah. <laughs> we got a Christmas. She, that's for sure. She was definitely the, um, the definition of a shopaholic. Mm. Really? For sure. Even yeah. so Christmas was crazy. Percent. And my birthday's a week before Christmas. So she used to go nuts. She spent it before I Christmas. had it. That's uh, for sure. What? Crazy ass Christmas. What was she doing for work? Well, nothing. What? Raising those kids. Wait, wait, wait. What? The way she, she was, said, she was well. a stay at home I spoiled the shit out of her. Like every woman would love to have her position in a marriage was was just listen. I'm going to make the money, and you're going to stay at home and raise the kids. Damn. Like that's it. Like I'm doing okay. We can do this. Like we'll figure out a way to do it. But I want you raising my kids and not daycare raising my kids or my mom or the neighbor or whatever. So. That's how it was. Yeah. How, how old I was the, very fortunate. Glenn, how old were the kids when you got the pool? Uh oh god, they were young. Twenty, so I had that twenty yes. I I Olivia was probably three or four and oh, Zach damn. was probably one or two, yeah, when oh, we got damn. the pool. We got that shit for free, right? Great idea. Yep. I think the Jim, one we go in? Well, well that, I got a brand new one. Oh, no, you ain't seen a brand new a year one. Ago. Not even just this spring I got replaced. Oh, I don't yeah, think you've right. been there yet. Mm. What? Just growing the grass back, getting all the landscaping all that's done right. and everything. You got brand a new, new pool. pool back there? Brand new pool. I, I mean, was, it just went in place where the other one was. I was just there the other night. I didn't even fucking notice. didn't even notice, yeah. yeah. No, remember we went away once. We came back and it was new. You didn't. He, someone helped Glenn do it. Remember? No. You said in the spring you got it. I just got I haven't it. been in that pool How since. Long ago, Glenn? I've been uh, in that pool this year. You didn't go in the pool, but you came he over a couple it. weeks ago and said you were going to go in and never did. Yeah. But that was, that was, that the, was new the new pool. pool? Yeah. Yeah. Damn. It was, it was nice probably only a month, month and a half ago. Yeah, yeah you I can just, stick your feet right in, you know. It feels nice and soft Put on your feet. footy in there. <laughs> so, hey, guys. All right. So, so let's go touch on this a little bit. Um. So I don't know. I don't know about, I don't know how old Tony was when his parents got divorced. I was like five years old. Tony, what were you, more like 10? I think I was 15. I had to be like 12 or 13 years old. So, so, and Zach, you were older, like much older. So what, what, Glenn, what were you worried about the divorces affecting the kids? The kids were older. Was it going to, what was your thoughts about that? That's a great question. Cause you know what? I stayed in that marriage probably 12 to 15 years just because I wanted them two kids to grow up in a household with a mother. It may have not have been the best relationship, but they grew up in a house with a mother and a father and Literally months after he turned 18, I walked into the lawyer's office and filed for divorce. Mm-hmm. So that was a Happy another birthday. put your blinders on. <laughs> now, why was that age important to you? Well, because <laughs> it it's just probably just the way I am, but I dissect everything. 
Like I don't make a move until I've got every level of it, you know, more or less figured out. I mean, maybe not every, but at least um, really delving into to all the pieces of it. So um, with a divorce, you either do it when the kids are young or you do it when they're 18. Mm. There's the ones that are in the middle. And listen, unless you're two really good parents and you understand that your everything is focused on the kids. There's very few divorces in this day and age where those two people are on the same page and can, the kids can get out of it unscathed, so to speak. So, you know, the day my kids were born, both of them, uh, that was my main focus. Everything from there on in was about my kids. So, yeah, I waited intentionally till they were old enough so that they wouldn't have to go through. Listen, and you definitely don't want to do that when your kids are teenagers. Like that is the worst part of their lives. And then you throw into the mix of, you know, a divorce mom and dad fighting, moving, spending time with each other. You know, that's just, that ain't fair to the kids. Mm. Now I, mine, I know mine was like for my, basically my whole upbringing, it was every other weekend, um, with my dad. So he was obviously like the secondary parent in that sense. Like he was right down the road when we needed him, but it was every other weekend. What was your situation like? And why was it so unique? What do you mean? Like I, sense? like what, like what it was your guys's thing? Like Zach didn't move out when he was 18, did he? Yeah, yeah he, he did. did. Oh, you did. So no one lived in the house when you guys got divorced? No, that, so in the beginning, uh, he was still there. Then he moved out. And then right after I got divorced, he moved back in. Olivia was there the whole time. And I don't think we, like, again, the atmosphere was terrible. We didn't really, we fought anyway. So being in divorce, there was no, didn't change dramatically. We were just fighting for I guess different what subject. I meant, what I meant unique is um, usually the the mom takes the house. Yes. What I meant. Well, that. I go into everything again, <laughs> you know, dissecting everything. My goal was to keep the house and keep the kids. And, you know, that's the way I worked through the divorce. Like well, yeah, I before, made sure that was going to happen. Was it a nasty battle or did you guys kind of agree on things? Oh, she didn't agree on anything. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. Well, you know, listen, I said right in the beginning when it all popped up, I go, listen, there's two ways to do this and it's totally up to you. You feel free to do whatever one you want. You can either be amicable or I will forget you exist. Like your choice. Like, because I don't want this to be, I'm not going to try to rip you off. I'm not going to try to do anything that isn't admirable because you know me, I've been admirable all my life and I'm never going to change just because of this. Like, let's find a way to just do this as best we can. And the first chance she had, she tried to stick a hatchet in my skull and, I have literally not spoken to her ever again. That's crazy. Ever again. Mm-hmm. Like in my mind, she doesn't exist. I won't show up to her funeral. I have never texted her. I've never called her. I don't even want to see her face again. And that she had the choice. I I'm, don't feel guilty. I don't feel I gave you a simple here. We could do it one way or this way. You chose that way. And okay, well, that's how life is. Damn. You get what you ask for. Man (laughs) of his word. Say it forever. I mean what I say and I say what I mean. And she knew it. And I even said that when I said it, I said, you know, there's, it's going to be one or the other. Like, you know, I, I mean it. And she just did what she did. 
So, Zach, how does that make you feel? Um, I mean, I never know the whole story. Like, I, obviously, I was fucking a kid when it happened. I was upset at, I was upset at it happening, but I also knew it was gonna happen the whole time. Like, from the time I was thirteen or fourteen, when I started dating my first girlfriend, I didn't understand relationships at all because of their relationship. So. Listen, I, I think 1% of the entire population of the world actually has parents that are like in love when the kids are 20 years old and they've been together for 30 something years. Like yep. that's just fucking rare. Rare. Yeah, rare. Nowadays, it's becoming even more so rare. Usually like they weren't violent fights or anything. Like there was never anything like that. But I just didn't know what love was, which most teenagers don't anyway. But um, my first relationship was dog shit. I cheated on her a hundred times because I just didn't know any better. And I was like 15. And then uh, every time I cheat on her, I'd feel really, really bad. And for like three months, I'd just spoil the shit out of her and like try to keep her happy. And then we cheat on, I'd cheat on her again. And then it was the same thing over and over and over again. This is relationship. And then but I'm this, like, what'd you say, mom? I was going to say, but like specifically like the relationship that your dad has with your mom now. Correct. Not so, generally what, not having like, a you know, not generally, but like specifically what your dad just said. I mean, listen, I, so I'm very understanding and I get it from my upbringing and also business and everything else. I look at things the same way, like the chessboard and, and understanding what's going on. I'm never going to know what the conversations they had in private for the last 25 years were when I wasn't around. And so I don't know if it's right or wrong. I just think, okay, they had went through a divorce. Shit happened. There are two people that don't want to talk to each other. And I have nothing to do with it. As a kid, when it first happened, I was the mediator because my mom didn't have anyone else to go to. So she would come to me. And then I was the one that had to mediate all the situations and like try to calm my mom down and try to talk to my mom and try to like, you know, mediate the situation and make it good for everybody. And then I understood that, okay, as a kid, this isn't my job and I got to let what's going to happen happen, you know? So that's how I feel about it is just, it isn't my fucking, it's not for me to decipher and try to figure out because that's the problem that kids have is they always think it's their fault. I feel like that's common in divorces where it's like, it's my fault because they had me. Like, what didn't one of our podcast guests say? My mom told me that she was, oh no, our, one of our friend, which I won't say his name, but he was like, yo, my dad said to me one time, I wish I never had you. And like, Damn. that's some deep, I don't remember shit. that though. So, I don't remember that shit either. So I might have blocked that one out purposely. That hurt me just yeah, now. Bro. So I never had to deal with any of that, but I also knew because I was 18 when it happened that like I could think through things and understand that this isn't my problem to solve. And I don't know what's really going on. And I just gotta let it let it be. Because no matter what, you hear things from both sides of the story from both parents. So you're always like persuaded today this way and persuaded the next day this way and like why is this all happening and then it was just like again i don't know what the fuck's happened for the last 20 years and this isn't my job to decipher it so it is what it is whatever happens isn't my fault as long as they're not fucking trying to kill each other it is what it is and i didn't like that she brought the kids into the middle of it because i tried to never put the kids into the middle of anything so yeah that was kind of I mean, shitty also divorces are fucking there's, is there any a good, is there ever a good divorce? No, it's a war. There's, it's, it's literally there's, a war. There's bad divorces, and then there's really, really bad divorces. Yep. So <laughs> yep. there's not much you can really do in between other than 
out of all the people that I was, you know, that's the other thing about the car business. You get to hear so many stories of everybody's life. Like you really do. Like it, it's enlightening in a sense. And it's also uh, calming in a sense that you could look and go, I'm somewhere in the middle. Like there's people that probably been way more successful and way happier lives than people that have had miserable lives. Mm. Like just, like shit you can't possibly imagine. Mm-hmm. I mean, loss of life. I sickness, think we're living on death. the far good side of that spectrum. Correct. Right now. So it gives you it gives you perspective on how good your life really is. And that, that probably helped me a lot too. But <clears throat> the point of all that is out of all the people I've talked to, he's very right in in the sense that almost nobody can just where two people just say, All right, let's just this is, it is what it is. Let's make it as clean and calm and peaceful as possible. And let's just go on our merry way. 90% of them were just. Yeah, we can get into that whole conversation in a second, but real quick to go back on the last point is that's why I moved out at 18 because I didn't want to be part of any of it. Yep. And like mm. I moved out at 18 when I was dead fucking broke and bought an apartment and before I started selling solar, I have a screenshot of when I had $27 in my bank account and threw out my roommate. We had $1,600 in rent due. We were splitting it, 800 piece plus utilities. And I threw him out because he was a fucking scumbag And at the time. And like I had to go figure it out on my own and like, fuck this. But at the end of the day, my point is that you always got options. My option was stay home, stay around the toxicity. It's going to be a divorce. It's yeah. not going to be ugly. I didn't have money to go out on my own. Instead, I'm like, fuck this shit. I'm 18. I'm a grown-ass man, and I'll go figure it out. Well, I was a little-ass boy that turned into a grown-ass man <laughs> because I had no choice. But, like, you have the option to choose what, how you can look at a situation and what you can perceive and leave. And then your last point you just made, I just heard this. The guy was saying on a podcast, I'm the best therapist in the world. Do you want to know why? This is what I would do if you hired me for therapy. I'm taking you. And we're going right to the fucking hospital. And we're going to go sit with all the people who are terminally ill with cancer. And if you can convince them that your life sucks, I'll be, uh, uh, you can do whatever you want. Hmm. Everything you said is true. But if you can't convince them, then you go the fuck back home and pay me my fee. Well, <laughs> listen, I don't mean to, I don't mean to like keep reaction. You guys can move on if you want, but I want to ask one more time, like in a different way, like, um, the, the way you might feel Zach, I'm asking basically like since, since now in the recent years, you guys have had this like crazy glow up and all this wild success and your mom seems like removed from it specifically because your dad just said that he basically completely cut her off, doesn't talk to her at all. Your mom's not around. So does that make you like feel a way or... Mm. You don't, maybe you don't see her as much as you wish or anything. I'm just... No, I mean, I have the means to. But my mom lives in Florida, but I don't think it has anything to do with my dad and her going through a divorce. My mom lives in Florida. We don't talk that much, and I don't think anything changed when we had the divorce. Um, there's a lot of stuff I can get into that I'm not going to talk about on a podcast, but like, it just, I don't know, it is what it is. You have to sacrifice some things that sometimes, like, I have to sacrifice my youth, my twenties of working all the time so I can be successful later or I, or I can have the life and the options I want later. And like, 
I can't please everyone. I can't have all the friends. I can't have a relationship with everyone. I can't make all the money. I can't have the best body in the world. Some things have to be sacrificed. And I'm a person where if it's not in front of me, then I'm not going to fucking see it. Like I was just talking to Abe the other day. I put my pills that I have to take on my pillow. So when I come home, even if they're on my nightstand, fucking a foot away from me, mm-hmm. I won't take them. I have to put them right in fucking front of me or else I will not do it. So, yeah, I mean, do I, should I talk? Do I wish I talked to my mom more? Of course. But at the end of the day, I'm not perfect. So, um, but I don't blame it on anyone. And yeah. I think that all shapes you into what you are now. Like, mm-hmm. it's like anything. It's, I've said it a thousand times and it's words I live by. Everything happens for a reason. Mm-hmm. You're always where you're meant to be. So did that forge you somehow into the person that you are today? No doubt. Good, bad, or indifferent, mm-hmm. it led you down a path that got you to where you are now. And sometimes you can look back. I say this all the time. You you always question yourself, like, why did that happen to me? And then a year later, you go, oh, that's why that happened to me. Mm-hmm. Because it, you know, I can say that in my relationship now. Like, it's, you go through so much shit, but you got to go through the shit to get to the you know got it yo the prize yo uh let's 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 get into your relationship now or maybe what it's like for it to be uh 40 plus on tinder and also yeah, real 50 quick 50 plus bro 40 know, thank bro. you i'm trying to just <laughs> yeah, we talk about tinder with everybody who comes on nowadays so what's it like being on tinder yeah. oh dude dating sites are a disaster dude like disaster first of all like people just suck Oh yeah. Like the, the people in this room, like we are rare anymore. Like the, yeah, baby. the level of, um, um, you know, people being moral and having virtues and, and the, it's just so out the window. It's crazy. And I think that all has a part to do with the, the the nuclear family like 30 40 years ago everybody went to church everybody stayed married everybody you know raised their kids to be good human beings and that's all and families that's, met at the dinner table yes. at the end of the day mm-hmm. and we all have dinner, dinner together. together and talk like and now it's like that doesn't who's doing that anymore right you could you could say a thousand different things that have changed in the last 50 years i'm bringing it back (laughs) i wish somebody would have like 32 kids and we're gonna have dinner every fucking night you can come over i'll be at my house cooking steakies right (laughs) and we you know you hear it all the time like old school you know like an old soul like it's just it's rare to find today so so what's it like being an old soul swiping you talk to me about the swipes dick cancer i have (laughs) I have been, people have tried to scam me over 200 times on dating sites. What? Oh, like I would wake up to naked pictures of 25 year old girls from a, a area code out of state. And like, I want you, daddy. I'm looking for somebody just like you. Damn. What would you do as soon as you finished jerking off? (laughs) Dude, it was like. Oh like, my people, God. So here's, here's a funny thing that I finally figured out, right? Like who falls for this? But guess what? The desperate men. Somebody does. Oh yeah. There's desperate men out there all the time. Like They're fucking idiots. I have no even idea. Criminals 
have a success rate. Even criminals have a good closing rate. Like they wouldn't be doing it oh, yeah. unless they weren't making money somehow. Dude, I'll tell you a crazy story. Yeah. I was talking to this one girl for probably two weeks, maybe. And, you know, you figure out pretty early, like, okay, FaceTime me. Oh, no, I can't because my camera's broken. Because my Adam's apple will show. Whatever, right? And you're like, all right, this is fucking stupid. You know, so like out of 200 of them, 195 are gone instantly. How spicy is Stone getting in these text battles? Let's go. Talk to me spicy. Oh, no, no. You get spicy? No, like I said, 195 are gone. Don't curse the women out, You get spicy, though, or no? No, no. Like, virtually never. Well, Uh, a couple of them would, and then you'd, like, you'd play, like. Yeah, play with me. Right. No, no, no. But I mean, in a sense, (laughs) it like, dude, you're a 50-year-old guy in South Africa texting me, like, okay, Uh, you want to. Oh, yeah, you got great Send boobs. Send me 20 rubles. I'll show you my fingers. <laughs> so then it was just like, now they think they're scamming me while well, I'm just dragging them along as far as I can until, you know, they fall off. You got Snapchat, Glenn? Anyway, there was, yes. So there was, oh, yeah, I've had that. Call me. Yeah, like, let's let's exchange nudes. Like, yeah, no, no, thanks. Okay. No, I'm not, I'm not, I, I was born at night, but not last night. Ooh, bar. So bars, but my anyway, dad used to say that before he'd whoop my right? ass. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, there was one. It went on for like two weeks, and I'm like, it's it was like borderline. I was like, it can't be real, but I'm gonna at least you know give it a chance. One day, my phone rings from that number, who's supposed to be this beautiful chick. A dude picks up. Mm. I'm like, bro, what the fuck are you calling me for he goes well you know i i've seen some of your profiles and i think you're in the solar and i think we could get it and i'm like are you fucking kidding me like you've been dragging me along for two weeks and now you're calling me up with a business proposition like if i could come through this phone i'd fucking kill you like what the fuck is your problem and then he went on to like i don't know some other thing and i'm like goodbye like like, don't ever call me like South Africa, 40 year old guy. I'm like, he wants me to fly down there so we can meet about this solar proposition. <laughs> you hang up and you just smile to yourself like, what is this? What this is about? Flex? Like, this is what I have to go through just to meet a person and go out on a date. Dude, it was insane. It was absolutely 100 percent. And then even if you did meet somebody like, wait, what's the story about the the girl D. Who? Somebody's friend that was. Oh yeah, I was Katie's on the mom. Katie's mom. <laughs> oh my god! And I'm going yeah. out on a date, oh, and it's yeah. Katie's it's Katie's mom. Brother, oh, dude, I mother. As soon as That's I crazy. met her, you know, I always wanted to take him out to a nice restaurant. Like I'm not going to take him out to Applebee's or something. You know what I mean? Like people, to we some people, that's a nice restaurant, right? I know, but not me. So we so, tell the story of how crazy it was. <laughs> so we were all there, weren't we? Yeah. Wait, somebody yeah. was. Yeah, we, we, were were party, so, we were at a pool party. We were at a pool party at Glenn's. Yeah, we were no, all at a pool party. There. Glenn was like, "Listen, we were all at a pool party at your at Stones, right?" Yeah. And then we then Glenn was like, "Yo, I'm getting ready to go on Where a date." I? And J- Joey wasn't and there. there. He, Joey was there. 
Katie was there. Olivia was there. You, I think you went to the fireworks. You were we there. Oh, yeah. We stayed a while. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right. It and was then a, Glenn's like, I'm getting ready to go out oh, on a date. There was, was the only night a I couple Gianna people left. On yeah. your bed. <laughs> Here in the bathroom. No, it was in your bed. So then Glenn's like, I'm getting ready to go on a date. Hey, like, look at this Brock girl. I'm about, to, I'm about to was go Was he out. in there? He was watching. I thought he was going to bite my dick. No, I came boy. out and I, I said, does this outfit look good? That's what I said. I came out. Olivia was there. Joey was there. And Katie, Katie was, was there. there yeah. And I said, hey, how's this outfit look? And it comes to find out I was going on a date with the girl who I asked if I, Katie, if I looked okay. It was her mom. We found out. <laughs> you texted me, actually. That, was, that is one of the craziest fucking no. scenarios. You ever. texted me. Yeah. And you were like, wait, did Joey tell you or did Joey text me first and then you texted Listen, me after that? Listen, all I know is this episode is going to be called The Milf Hunt. That's all I know. <laughs> what did you do with that? Dude, the as soon as I walked into Blue Point and I met her, I was like, I want to eat Blue and Point? go home. Dog. I want to eat and go home. This guy's like, biggest expense is his fucking dinners with his ladies, not the goddamn... Dog went to Blue Point. <laughs> not the goddamn mortgage. Damn. Yeah, that was Milf Hunter. That's what this that is. That was called. not so so the funny thing is is it, the first six months I was doing it, it was nothing but aggravation. Like you're just fucking pissed at everybody and everything and you're like Oh my god, every it's time these women are so fucking entitled nowadays because they're gatekeepers. They think because they got a fucking little gaping hole right. with nice hiney next to it right. that they and, can control the fucking universe. They have think nothing about to offer it. these. The fucking mentality whores. is like Dude, 90% of you girls should be coming after me. Like, Ooh, I'm the... Facts. Talk about it. You know, I don't mean it in that sense, but like, I'm just a normal no, guy just that a has fact. a normal life. But you're not a normal not guy. That's not going to cheat on you. He doesn't have a normal life. You're a high caliber, <laughs> well, high network. He's a individual. You man. Someone <laughs> tell Andrew Tate. Who women that are at your age have lost all of their value because their titties hit their fucking knees now. Correct. Mm. They should and be... Like, and you like you won't eat. I hit like, and you won't even mm. consider. Listen, no. Glenn, Listen, were you no. fucking thirty year olds when you were single, or what? No, why okay. not? He is a passport bro. You see the whole thing on TikTok now going around. What's that? Being a passport bro. Do you <laughs> see that? No, what is it? It's this whole movement this guy started, and he's basically like, you can't date the women in America. You got to be a passport bro. You yes. got to get a passport. You got to go mm -hmm. to fucking Colombia. You got to go to Japan. You got to go to Brazil. Yep, somewhere where. Women understand the value, understand the of, value a of a man and still want that family nucleus and still want to be a traditional style woman in Eastern Europe or in Japan, Asian cultures. And that's exactly and the relationship I'm in. He's so in a, tell, tell us about getting in that nucleus. He's a passport, bro. Tell us about that Except nucleus. Except you don't even own a fucking passport. <laughs> Wait, well, never, she came here. Wait, you've never traveled abroad? No. Okay. That, never wait. been out of the country. So this guy at, what when you started dating? 57? Started dating her? 50? How old are you? 57? 56. When I started dating her yeah, or when 56. I started dating? Yeah, 56. 56 yeah. At 56 years old, he's never had a passport in his life. Dates a Colombian woman who doesn't speak English at first. <laughs> <laughs> she speaks some English. How Colombian is she? We can. Oh, oh my Lord. Perfect. Oh, man. The best I've Ooh. ever seen. It's like the best First trait. time he saw her, his fucking pinky almost went straight. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Hi, That's a callback. So, so oh, wait. Let me just get God. through this part so I can get to that part, right? We want the juice. So now, like, after about six months of nothing but aggravation, I finally realize, you know what? This is just like a sales job. Just you're out there keep, selling dick. No, just keep oh. going through 
enough Volume. people until you find somebody, right? So now I like took more of the emotion out of it and just thought, okay, how are we going to just find somebody eventually? And that's when I at least started to talk to real women and started conversations and then conversations led to dates and then dates led to like decent people. And then it just, it literally just got better and better and better. So, so your first date over the summer. Her. Yeah. Yeah. Wait with who D no, 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 you're new. No, no. Oh, Janice. No, but I'll get to that part right after I get to this. So just after that, which was last summer, Ooh. I ended up having like three to four girls all like just having fun now. Like, Ooh. So the first one was an experience that I've never had before, and we're not going to get into gruesome details. Oh, we want it. Stinky you do? Pink. No. Yeah, he was what? stinky pinky the pimp. Wait, wait, let's hear about the details uh, of the sl- craziest thing you ever had, just like you just All right, said. that was my first squirter ever. Yeah. Wow. She was a Lord's alumni. <laughs> oh, Lord. <laughs> which was cool, and that's like helped it. So we went out to dinner. We oh, went out to the God. car, and I, like, I knew there was a little chemistry, the so car. I like- well, we not, no, 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 no. We weren't in the car. We were going out to the car and that's why I kind of made my move. And then I convinced her to get in a car with me oh, and she did. Shit. And that led to me. Th- he and my daughter didn't even know I brought her in the house. He got mm-hmm. the Rain-X complete it was like treatment. 11 o'clock at night. Wash. I brought her in the house. We did our thing. I brought her back to her car that was parked at the restaurant. And next morning woke up. Nobody knew what happened except me. Wait, did so, she know? That was fun. <laughs> that she was, knew that was for suspect, sure. Yeah. I, I convinced Wait. her to get in the car. Nobody knew what happened. Was she squirting with with from from hand to hand combat or penetration? Both. Damn. So damn. the first one I was like, listen, can I j-? and she was like, Yeah, go ahead. I was like, Okay. So did that, you know. Boom. And then then it went right to, you know Splash down water box. Soon as soon as she got in the bed, she was like, You need to grab some towels. I was like, Oh, yeah. She said that? Yeah. As soon as we got home, she was like, You need to grab some towels. I was like, Yeah, buddy. (laughs) Yeah, buddy. Were you fucking her on the regular? No, that one didn't last long. She was a crazy liberal. That that only lasted about a week. Those are the best. Fell off. And I was almost like, Okay, good. Like, (laughs) see you later. I had my. For a whole week, we didn't have towels in the house. (laughs) Dad was going to the beach in the middle of the winter. And then right after that, I hooked with, with three girls and I told everyone I dated, I am dating. Like you are, we are not exclusive. Like I'm telling you just right now, first date, you don't like it. See you later. And all three of those went on for like three months. And after the three months, I literally just said, this is like too much fucking work. Like this has been fun. His and fingers like, got tired. Like, yeah. Seriously, like first thing in the morning, I have to text all three good morning. Oh, God. <laughs> wait, wait, Last thing at night, I had to text all three good night. <laughs> like, then I had to figure out what day I'm going to see which one and make sure the other one didn't know that I was going to see that one that oh day and then God. going to see the other one. Wait, we changed the title. It's a Tinder swindler. <laughs> oh, the Tinder swindler. <laughs> so that went on, and then I just ended it with all of them, and then I told the universe to bring me an angel. The perfect one. A Colombian and angel. So that was a good story, actually. Love it. It started out perfect. Like, th- we just, texting was perfect. She was beautiful, and she was sweet, and the way she talked, and you tell she was like a genuine person. Tony. And that went for like two or th- two days, maybe. And then it. she, which was weird, I still to this day, like, you just understand that they don't know the culture, but I- you know, at that point, I didn't understand why she did it. 
but she, she FaceTimed me, which was like, okay, great. This was one of the few people like, I know you're real now because you're FaceTiming me. You're asking me to FaceTime me instead of me asking you. Anyway, she gets on and she can't fucking talk English. And I'm like, uh, 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 perfect. What do I do? <laughs> like, what's this? How's this going to play out? So eventually we hang up the phone. It was, I don't know, maybe 60 seconds to a minute. Like I was able to say one or two things and she was able to say one or two things. And then I got uncomfortable and I was like, okay, bye. And then I blew her off and I was like, fucking dating somebody. How is this going to happen? Like, that's crazy. And I was in New York at the time. I wasn't going back to Florida. I was up for like a week for some reason. Where was and, she? And she was in Florida. So right. I was in New York. She was in Florida. Although I was in Florida the whole winter, just at that time, I just happened to be back in New York. So about ooh, probably 24 to 48 hours went by. And at that time, we were off the dating site and we ha each had our number. So we were talking, obviously, because she called me on FaceTime. So I blew her off. And then like 24 to 48 hours, I was like, you know, I just something about her just like has me. And and like, <laughs> you don't why? Have to listen to her talk. <laughs> no, but like, why am I not giving it a chance just because we because she doesn't talk English? We can obviously text. I can use translate when I see her in public. So I was like, Hey, you know, I text her back. Hey, listen, like, I'm sorry, but like, I'm willing to give it a chance, whatever. And she was like, literally wrote a paragraph. Like, thank you. I'm so happy. I really want to meet you and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, okay, I'll be back. You know, it was like two days. I was like, I'm flying back. Let's meet. So we picked the time in the day. I drove to her, was in West Palm. She's an hour away from where I am in Port St. Lucie. And I'm, I, I think it was an outback. I just, I saw it the other day and I wanted to remember the place that we met and I could probably find it if I went back there. But anyway, it was like instant. When I tell you instantaneous, as soon as I met her, as soon as we walked inside, it just felt perfect. And four months later, it's history. You clap cheeks first night? No. No, definitely not. She Tell is about not the, that kind of. Listen, whatever I'm saying now is not going on any social platform. Wait, this? Yes. Ah. Uh, wait, why? You didn't say anything. It's my that. girlfriend, wait, bro. You You're not putting any of this on. It's wait, the first, first time you met dating. her. The first time you met her. Well, any of the other, you know, craziness. Wait, wait, wait. We want to know about the translator app. The translator app. So, so we, I meet her. You know, we just say hello, whatever. I give her a hug and a kiss. We go inside and we sit down and we literally start. We at Wait, that that's point, beautiful. We Why wouldn't you want to share that? That's no, beautiful. no, no, no. But like uh, Tinder the, stuff. Yeah, you don't want to talk about the squirter online. Well, that's fine. I don't care. So nothing. But, you didn't say anything bad. Okay. Yeah, you're as good. long as there's nothing negative coming no, out of our. Because when you said it was no. instant, I thought Tony was going to say the ejaculation. But that's <laughs> <laughs> okay. So anyway, we get inside and now we're texting back and forth because that's the only way we can really you know talk but you know it was great we hugged we kissed we i went home she went home we talked we went out again same thing we went out a third time same thing and then it was probably about a two-week window there maybe a week and a half or whatever and i said listen why don't you know why don't i get a place and we'll you know we'll stay tonight together and she was like yes i was like oh, thank god finally so, um, yeah, that was our first night we spent together. Um, it was in, it was somewhere in North Palm and it was a, you know, my first Airbnb, but 
you know, just same thing. Things were just so perfect and seamless at that point, except for the communication, the communication part, which wasn't even really an issue because what she texts me, I can translate. And what I text her, she can translate. And when we were together, you like, even in a restaurant, we would either just text back and forth or I would talk into the translator and you know, she would talk into her translator. Yeah, How hard is it's that? A pretty Tell cool us. dynamic. It's not, yeah. it's really like, it was a little uncomfortable, I guess the first time we started to use it, but then within like, you know, 15 minutes, it, it just became like normal. Like this is how we communicate. It's All no right, big I gotta deal. make a joke. Hey Siri, tell her I'm gonna come. <laughs> was, it like, was it like that? Dude, sex is no. You don't have to. Oh shit! It's sending a text to Andrew Kane. I'm gonna no, send it. Send it. Send so, it. So send, it well, send it. Send it. So when your phone well, dies, no. when your Why phone dies, my Andrew phone never Kane. dies. I love that. That's <laughs> the new name of this show. My phone never dies. My phone never dies. I always have it charged. I'm prepared. I'm always prepared for. How everything. much Spanish do you know now? No, not that much. I really don't. Because it's using the translator spoils you. You don't like if I had to look at a book, I would want to learn quicker so that I didn't have to go through the aggravation of like figuring out what you're seeing the words. You see so many words, but you just see it. No, even when you see the words, you're just transferring the words to English. So I'm not concentrating on what you you know what you should do you're just literally is you should say it into the translator and then read it well that's that's what i'm starting to do like i'm like i can't when i'm driving down the road and i'm just texting or we're communicating but if i'm at home and things are peaceful then i now i can like go okay what does that word mean what does that word mean what does that word and then sometimes i can look at it and know part of the sentence before I actually translate. Have you guys talked dirty to each but other? Now that's yet? that. No, but now <laughs> you like you, it doesn't make sense until you genuinely start using it. You know what I mean? It's, it's too easy to cheat. That's the problem. That's, that's really the point. So like, I'm not trying to learn Spanish. I know she's trying to learn English cause she has to learn English to adapt to, America. Yeah. Like I don't have to learn Wait, so how Spanish. Is she? she was born and raised. Oh yeah. She, yeah. She, born she, and raised. she, she only came citizen? here three years ago. Oh shit. Yep. She only came here three years ago. Yeah. Oh. That was a is crazy she like story. a traditional woman. Oh, thousand percent. All right. So you got, what does she have her own house? What's the deal? So, um, she doesn't have her own house yet. She has a, um, in Colombia, she has a ranch, you know, has a house. It has horses. She pays oh, people. Sure. She has a whole, so mommy's got dinero Mm, she's doing okay i wouldn't say she's like rich by any means but she's functioning well because listen remember like she's making money here the money she makes here can easily pay the people down there because you know they live off of a fraction of what we live off of right so like having a ranch in Colombia versus having a ranch in united states is (laughs) extremely inexpensive to have a, a ranch there so, you know, but she's a very responsible human being that has a job and three kids, three grandkids. They're all in West Palm. I've met every single one of them. I know all their names. Um, Are you Uncle Gringo? And she's she has a 10 year card. So she has, I don't know, eight or nine more years to become a full citizen. It's awesome. Whatever. We'll play in it by ear. Just like the just like the whole 
language barrier, which is playing it. And, and the fact that she lives in Florida and I mean, yeah, she lives in Florida and I need to live in New York. We'll play it by ear. Hit him with the banger tone. Everything has a challenge. The banger. Here we go. Okay. At the end of the day, what is your message to everyone out there? To everyone out there, the Glenn Dingy message. Mm. Just go out there and try to be a better person. That's all. You know, take care of your kids. Take care of your family. Make the best out of your life you can. Be a be a good, honest person. And you know, it's it's if you want to do stuff, you just have to do stuff. Like we're a living example. He, you, you. You know, like people overcomplicate life. You know, you Big gotta time. take chances. Like the. The struggles, you know, like that that one step for me, which was to go into sales 23 years ago, was a major step. Scary, crazy, but it pays off. You know, I just, I hate seeing people that just go through the motions of life and like are almost to the point where like they're numb and you know it. Like Mm. they're just going to work. They're just having kids. They're just in a relationship with their partner. And like they're trying to get to 70 years old when they can retire and move to Florida. Like that's, that's a shitty life. The trap. Right. It's a shitty life. Like break out of it. Like we, you, you have so much at your fingertips in this day and age that you can, uh, you know, that you can, you could do if you just, put your mind to it and take some chances and go through the struggle. And you know, at the end of the day, you can, you can really live the dream. No doubt about it. Mm, I like that. Right. It's a very general statement, but it's, it's part of what we've all gone through and what I went through way before you guys did it. But it's, it's, it's like, um, not refreshing, but it's like, Oh, just, it just opens up a whole new life. If, if you just actually live by it, right. If you, if you see it for what it is and decide that once and for all, you're just not going to go down that path and be a part of the rat race, part of the crowd and the, and the, and the sheep, like, you know, you see so many success stories and you hear so much about it today. Like it starts to really like, it's so much more believable because you just, you, you could see it on the internet. It's not, you know, live life like it's in front of you, you know, always just kind of, you know, don't let the static in. But on the other hand, just understand that you can easily have a 10 times better life if you just, if you just break out, Mm. you know, go take chances, go have fun. Go have fun. 